Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it's nothing but the truth. What man's journey to find it? It is November the 19th, 2015. And uh, once again, I have a special guest. Uh, got a gentleman that I really appreciate. Uh, Chris Kendall, I appreciate his work exposing uh, other lies and deceptions that are out there. They got uh, on a talk show, uh, Hoaxbusters Call. You can find that. And then he's got hoaxbusterscall.blogspot.com where he just recently uh, has been doing some work on the, uh, I guess, the uh, shooting slash bombing, supposed bombing and shooting of Paris. And uh, interesting some stuff there. We'll probably would talk about that. So, And for all those in the chat room, we appreciate it. Um, and um, we'll have a good show here tonight. So, anyways... For everyone's sake in the future here, Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. Doing pretty good. Yeah, you've been really busy with your home improvements and all that stuff, and I see you started up again this week. Kind of timing is kind of interesting with the uh, us having a show together and then the, the uh, what was going on in Paris. Um I don't know, man. What what are the things you've been uh, dealing with and researching on as a reasons besides Paris? Oh, well, yeah, as you know, I have a pretty high degree of interest in, you know, creation and evolution and, uh, oh, also kind of, uh, kind of goes out into, uh, oh, what's referred to as rationalism or, uh, the, the, yeah, you know, the stuff you see out there, you know, it, 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 it. I, I look at it as the emergence, and you know, it's, it's been underway for some time. But you know, the emergence of this new, uh, what amounts to a religion is actually a religion. It's a, you know, it's it's it encompasses, you know, a, for, for the most part, it encompasses uh, Darwinism and uh, or some variation thereof. You know, like a. Or uh, you know this materialistic, naturalistic view, or uh, atheism, and uh, you know it, it's just sort of this. Uh, and I guess it, I guess it could also be identified as uh, sec- secularism, and uh, it's, it's kind of a worldview. A philosophy is sort of uh, positions itself in you know. Uh, as counter to religious belief and then uh sort of gets all of its uh you know steam from uh being in opposition to religion and then characterizing religion as you know uh purely faith based without you know regard to empirical facts and evidence which you know people that 
hold those positions claim to base their beliefs about how the world works on, you know, em- empirical observation facts and, uh, you know, science. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, it, it sounds good. I mean, it sounds, you know, they, they, can, they can frame their arguments and, and usually what uh, the way this worldview gets presented, and I was just watching, uh, well, it was the beginning, it, it, it hadn't got all, all the way in, into the whole debate with uh, Lawrence Krauss and um, I think William Lane Craig. And uh, I, I was just taking just some mental notes there, you know, how, you know, Lawrence Krauss, he, he, he steps up to the podium and it's just interesting how, you know, he makes this declaration of, which I, I see as a declaration of faith. Like he, he will put out there that, you know, as a scientist, you know, my main concern was, is with, you know, empiricism, you know, stuff that can be observed in science and scientific facts, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, well, if, you know, people are, open-minded or they're open to these things and, you know, they, they, they should find, you know, what I'm saying persuasive and, you know, and that's what myself as a scientist and, and, and science is, you know, the scientific uh, council or whatever, he doesn't say scientific council, but that's, that's kind of like what he's referring to this idea of like a scientific community or science or science in general or science as the concept that there is this, you know, uh, group of individuals who are employed or who have made it their life's work to make discoveries about, you know, uh, the, earth, the the world around us and how it actually functions and, you know, and the whole uh, implication, the inference is that, you know, that these people that comprise, you know, this, this uh, oh, you know, science, I call it the science council. It's sort of this imaginary construct that, uh, you know, is made reference to, but as far as it's bearing on actual, you know, tangible reality, like you want to ask somebody, it's like, okay, what exactly are you talking about with the scientific council? Are you saying everybody that engages in in this thing called the scientific method? I mean, does this include any and everybody or these specific uh, designated individuals with certain credentials that exclude others that may have credentials and may have other views on the or like what exactly? I mean, so it's just like a lot of stuff that goes along with this uh, naturalistic materialistic worldview is that you cannot get clear definitions on just about anything that is going to be brought up. It's, it's pretty amazing when you really analyze this stuff and. Yeah, and and Lawrence Krauss, I mean, what what he he in his uh, uh, sort of uh, his introduction, you know, as he's you know preparing for the for the debate, he makes that declaration like, okay, I represent this thing called science, and here's what science is, and he makes a declaration of faith where he's saying that, oh well, you know, science is concerned with empirical observations and facts. And, uh, you know, repeatable tests and then, you know, we discard those things that don't, you know, uh, stand the test of time as far as empirical observation and, you know, 
we do so because, you know, we are mainly concerned with facts and evidence, and that is what we represent. And, you know, and the reason why I say that's a declaration of faith, because that's exactly what it is, because if you want to say, okay, so is that so? I mean, really, Lawrence, is that really so? I mean, is that so you represent a body of people whose whose main goal is to be only concerned with facts and evidence and to the exclusion of everything else, and you readily discard things that don't line up with, you know, uh, ob- observable reality, and uh, you are uh, immune from, you know, grant money considerations, you're immune from politics, you're immune from uh, all these other uh, ailments that beset every other human institution on the planet and you represent a purely objective uh, truth-seeking community that is only mainly concerned with the uh, uh, objective pursuit of empirical facts and evidence of truth. Okay, what is your evidence to establish that declaration as a as a declaration of fact based on evidence itself in other words applying the scientific method to this scientific method so you know if you do that to a darwinist or or somebody who's taking those positions you get some interesting responses because they know that they don't have anything other than their declaration of faith so they make they're making an assumption that okay this 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 organization was an imaginary organization because they well okay they'll you know you'll hear statements to the effect that oh well the overwhelming majority of biologists believe Darwin well okay so what if that is true or not true doesn't even have any kind of uh, a bearing on whether or not something is true just because you know of course the majority of people believe something doesn't necessarily make it so but you'll often hear that thrown out there to you you know so. But you know, let's say it is. Let's say it is true. But okay, if, if you're making that statement, okay, what are you basing it on? Do you do you direct someone to an online uh, um, rolodex of all these scientists that believe what you're saying that they believe? Uh, that would something that would be a trivial matter in this day and age to you know put together a website and say, okay, here's all the scientists that believe X. Uh, here's where they are, here's the universities, and, you know, they have faces, they have names, and uh, you can uh, send them emails and ask them questions. Do they even suggest that such a thing is a reasonable thing to ask for? No. They don't, you, you don't even go into that. It's just, you know, all of these declarations of uh, basically essentially faith. It's like, oh, this is so, and it's almost, it, and it's presented as if it's an axiom. In, in other words, it's just the truth. Just by declaring it, it's just the truth, and it's an indisputable truth that you know science is this, and this is what science is concerned with. But you know, again, you know, you ask for evidence that that is true, and you're going to get, um, you're you're normally going to have someone who's very perturbed by your request, like they are confused by it, uh, they get angry, and 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 insist that you know you have you know no right to demand you know such a thing it's like okay so so i just accept your declaration as as a fact or as an axiom and so you you know you're just going to 
proceed forth from there and then start to, you know, regurgitate the, the, all the varied claims of this, you know, scientific body that you allude to, but you are not going to present evidence that that initial premise is indeed factual. And that, yeah, that's, I mean, if that is not a definition of, uh, of, of a sort of a, a religious uh, sort of a way to go about things, like, in other words, you know, if you were to compare it to, let's say, oh, you know, pick like Mormonism, for instance, it's, it's that, uh, you know, people a lot of times are, you know, maybe raised in the Mormon church and... Like myself. So you were raised Mormon, right? So Yeah. You understand I'm no what I'm longer, Obviously, I'm no longer Mormon, but I was raised there. I actually went on a Mormon mission. That's, okay, that's, so at one time you you uh, aligned yourself with the tenets of Mormonism, right? right? Yeah. And, you know, that was more than likely a byproduct of you being raised Mormon, obviously, and, and then, you know, being told from an early age that, you know, the the Mormon Church and the and the elders or the the the, the priest class or the people you know that that are the authorities in the Mormon Church that what they say is authoritative right you know because you were told that and taught that absolutely, absolutely correct that's just like everything else I mean we live in a yeah. land of cults upon cults upon cults upon cults and a whole bunch of liars. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but it's you know it, that this point that uh, you know something I want to point out about it is like well it's it's precisely the same thing with this thing called science. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You know it's like well people who are brought up and they're taught this from an early age in school that uh, you know that these people are are that are called scientists. And, uh, you know, like Lawrence Krauss says, and it's something you hear often repeated, is like they are mainly concerned with observations and facts, and uh, somehow they're immune to, you know, confirmation bias or any, you know, like I said, political concerns or anything like that. Just, just you know, like, well, okay, who else can you say this about? You know, how you, can you point to any kind of other institution and and make the same kind of emphatic declarations that yeah these you know this institution is immune from you know political concerns it's like yeah you probably get laughed out of the room but for some reason this thing called science gets a pass because it's science you know it's it's because science and then you'll they'll proceed to make their case and and it's really it's an unspoken premise it's like okay you know, I can refer you to a peer review paper as a, a, a tantamount to providing you with, you know, it is equivalent to empirical direct observational evidence to refer you to a scientific peer review paper because, you know, peer review uh, process is, you know, valid and something that is uh, arrived at by way of this process is by inference also valid. And, you know, so you get in a debate with a Darwinist or something like that, and they will, you know, immediately start referencing, okay, this peer-reviewed study, that peer-reviewed study, this other peer-reviewed study. And then, you know, well, 
okay, so hold on a minute. So what are you saying that, you know, this is your evidence? Yes, this is evidence, and you need to look at the evidence. Okay, so what establishes this is evidence? Well, you have to go back to your foundational premises that peer-reviewed studies and peer-reviewed science is some, somehow valid. Like, uh, in other words, that it that you can make a reference to it and then you have some uh, certainty that it, it that any declaration or any uh, claim that is made that comes out of this peer review process is just on its face valid, and that there is you know no need to question it. So, so if it if it's coming from a peer reviewed study, then it's 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 legitimate, and you need to go ahead and accept this as evidence. And it's like okay, no, you, you are working off an assumption and you've never provided any evidence that it, it that substantiates your initial claim and that's see that's the problem with this whole scientism thing it's like uh but you know you like the, the creation evolution debates and stuff like that you you won't often you won't ever hear this brought up you know it's like okay so what establishes that is valid because science says, you know, it's like, okay, so what is science and what are you even talking about? Do they ever get into what, what is the definition of it? Because, you know, that's another interesting thing. I think, you know, when somebody talks about science or the scientific method, there's so much, you know, so many, so many presumptions that are brought into the, you know, just the word science or the scientific method. So it's, so if, you know, if I was going to take one example like uh, the claim, it is sort of a recent uh, quote-unquote scientific discovery that uh, there is evidence in the DNA that uh, proves that we have a uh, you know a, a, a relationship with bonobos and chimps. You know, this is as, as an example, and you know they they. Uh, you know, there's this kind of uh, scientific jargon and stuff. You know, they call it, 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 it. I don't even know how, if I'm pronouncing this correctly. In, endo, endogen, in, endogenous retrovirus or something to that effect. So the the basic concept is that uh, viruses can you know uh, imprint themselves or read themselves into the DNA of a host animal or human. And uh, that that uh, viral uh, st- strand of DNA that gets inserted by a, by an infection or a virus can you know remain and in, in in get passed down from generation to generation. And then you know scientists claim that they can go back and they can look at the genome and they can see these retrovirus infection sites. And then they point to these and say, oh, we have these common retroviral infection sites with humans and with chimps. So then, you know, we draw the conclusion that, well, that that is definitive proof that we are related because the odds that these sites would be at the same locations are, you know, astronomical against it being, you know, pure happenstance. Even though, you know, as an aside, I'll bring up the fact that you know, they, they can invoke uh, what's called convergent evolution, which is absolutely ridiculous when you go into this because what, they, what they'll propose then is like, oh, these complicated uh, structures that exist, like, for example, bioluminescence in squids or 
uh, and all kinds of different creatures evolve independently, even though they display the same, you know, characteristics that they evolve independently, uh, just happenstancely for no reason. It's just all all big coincidence. But, you know, for some reason, the patterns we're observing with ERBs are very, very, very significant. That's because, you know, they they can be used to make a case that, you know, we're related to chimps. But otherwise, you know, in other contexts, like patterns don't have significance because patterns can be just the result of just random coincidence and chance. See what I mean? It's like you have this, you know, huge double standard that, you know, comes into play, and then when it's needed, it's discarded. And then over here, you know, the patterns have a great deal of significance, and we need to pay attention to them because they prove evolution. Well, the, the reason why they don't, these retroviral sites don't prove evolution is because, they're not retroviral sites. It's just assumed that they are. And, you know, the reason why, you know, there's, there's, there's evidence coming out or what's purported to be evidence coming out in, in, in the field of science where they're studying the DNA, it's like, okay, these retroviral sites have a, a function. You know, it's some of the ones that are declared to be retroviral sites actually have an important function in the embryo development and all that. So it's like, okay, so what you're proposing then is if you're maintaining that these are retroviral sites, in other words, they're, vestigial holdovers and they're non-functioning by inference because, you know, like you're not going to have an, you know, a virus insert code and then the, and then the organism use that code because it's going to be just, you know, useless code. And, you know, that's what they always do. That's the position they always held. You know, this is like vestigial uh, holdovers from evolution and it's non-functional, but, you know, they find out that this, these retrovirus have function. So that, that should demolish that idea but uh you know um and, and the reason why i'm going into all this okay that that's an example of a claim that's made by way of this peer review process and it and it's quote-unquote science and if you get into debate with the darwinists they're going to throw this stuff at you and then you're you're uh you know it, it is it is there uh, position that you know you should accept that because you know science says and uh, you know and you can say well wait a minute okay how do you know this it's like well, you ask that individual okay how do you know that this is what it is being claimed and the implications that are being or the inferences or the implications being that are, are, are being drawn from this observation how do you know that these are correct because you admit you're not a scientist, you're not a biochemist, you're not a, a molecular biologist, you're not any of those things. So what what you're left with is is an individual that takes these as a matter of faith. So he believes that what he's being told is the truth without any direct empirical observation whatsoever. I mean, they have to admit that unless they're going to claim like I've had people do. It's like Oh, I've replicated some of these studies in my own personal lab. I say, oh yeah, okay, so that that sounds really plausible. So you have millions of dollars of equipment down in your basement, and you replicate these studies. So, yeah, that that that's so. I mean, okay, but then that is another claim. It's like, how do I know that? You're just saying that you do. That doesn't sound very plausible to me. I don't think that you can practically replicate these studies as you're claiming to. Because, you know, they get painted into a corner and then they have to admit that, no, I didn't directly observe this. This is not empirical evidence. This is something that I was told, and I believe it because I was told it. And that's what it comes down to. It's like people believe in this simply because they are told and they, and they claim it's based on facts and evidence 
because they are told it's based on facts and evidence, not because they see or directly observe or touch or see or smell or taste or observe it or test it themselves. They take it for granted that somebody else did it. And when they're saying that they believe this, it's, it's a declaration of faith. And that's all it is. They, they are not dealing with empirical facts. They're not dealing with observation, direct observations. They are, they are dealing with faith. They have faith in science. They don't even know how to define science. They don't even know who they are talking about when they say a scientist does this. Even if they know that individual's name, they have no personal relationship with this individual that is making these claims in regards to some observations that they made in a laboratory. It is all matters of faith. And that is, uh, I think, what's important when talking about this stuff, it's just like, okay, call it for what it is. And it, 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 is, it is a faith-based belief system. That's all it is. Now, like, for someone to be emphatic about it, then you got to ask them why. It's like, oh, is it, are you so emphatic about it because you directly observe this yourself? Or are you so emphatic about it because you have a great de- degree of faith in this thing called science that you really don't have a clear definition for what it is. And I think the latter is correct. That's obvious. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, so, you know, you end up getting in these discussions and stuff with people online. And uh, I've done a a video with uh, a call I made to the atheist experience and, uh, uh, which is some, used to be cable access and now they do like an internet, sort of show and they take callers and stuff. So I called in and I basically tried to engage them in that line of discussion. And, uh, well, you know, I just pointed out that, well, what you're telling me that that is a claim. And, uh, because I'm, because I, you know, I started out and my question and I gave this to the call screener, I said, okay, I want to know, uh, as a skeptic, you know, being skeptical of Darwinian evolution, uh, in, in the tradition of like uh, doubting Thomas, like it was referenced in the Bible, it's like, you know, doubting Thomas wanted to see, uh, he wanted to touch the holes in the side, he wanted to touch the holes in the hands, so like, okay, uh, and, and, I, and I thought of the question when I was watching another uh, installment of the Atheist Experience where the, the host brought up doubting Thomas, and he claimed himself to be doubting Thomas, where like, oh, well, I'm in in league with doubting Thomas. I want to see with my own eyes. So when I got on the call, I'm asking him, it's like, okay, what of this stuff are you seeing with your own eyes? How do I see this with my own eyes? Well, I mean, that's a, if you want to look at this video, it's at hoaxbusterscall.com, and then there's like a YouTube link at the top of the page, and then I, that, that AP experience call is in there. But, you know, it's like, well, it comes down to it, and, you know, what has he given me? He's, re- he's referring, okay, you need to go read this peer-reviewed paper, and uh, if you don't understand it, basically you need to take a class so that you can understand it, and then you can maybe hopefully get into a lab and directly observe this, all this evidence. All this evidence is out there is what they say. Okay, all this evidence is out there. And if you don't understand it, you need to go to school, and then you can directly observe it then. And, you know, it's like, okay, so 
But, you know, the point is, until then, you were just merely making a claim, right? I mean, and then they denied that it was just a claim. But it is just a claim. I mean, you can make a claim. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's an invalid claim. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a valid claim. It's like, okay, what are you basing your claim on? Is what my question was. It's like you're you're making these claims, and you're you're making them equivalent to empirical observable evidence. I said, well, you know, in fact, it is not empirical observable evidence. It is a rep. It is somebody referencing something that they purport to be direct observable evidence. And even if it is direct observable evidence, what are the what are the conclusions that are drawn based on that, and are those valid? And and if those conclusions aren't arrived at by some really solid set of criteria that rules out every other possibility, and that it rules out um, individual confirmation bias or anything to that effect, then you might have something. But okay, until then you need to um, tell me why that any of these claims are valid just based on the fact that they're, you know, associated with science or peer review. And that's another thing. It's like it's this association fallacy that always gets thrown at you is that, you know, what what people will often come back with is like, okay, Chris, you know, don't you drive a car? Don't you use a microwave oven? Have you ever used a cell phone? Don't you understand that that is science and that science works and you need to believe science? And it's like, uh, what does that have to do with Darwinian evolution? I don't understand. What does that have to do with that? I mean, uh, it's an irrelevant. So that's one of the association fallacy is, is you're making an irrelevant association between two different things and claiming the merits of one uh, carries over to something else that's unrelated. But see, there's no logical basis for doing that other than to uh, make an argument that's not a valid argument. It's not a valid argument. It's, it's, you know, it's defined as you know, uh, a logical fallacy because you know, you're comparing two different desperate thing, disparate things that are, have no real actual connection to one another other than their, their classification as, you know, quote-unquote science. You know, it's like, uh, uh, but, you know, let's say you want to persist making the association fallacy. So, like, okay, cell phones and toaster ovens and, uh, you know, striped toothpaste and everything else is the equals Darwin. Okay, so you want to make the association fallacy and you persist. Well, let's look at you know the science of engineering since you want to you know equate that with the you know and uh, look at where you know the, all the myriad examples where the science of engineering produces workable things and and observable things in the real world. Oh, it says that you want to conflate the two. Well, let's look into something called planned obsolescence where you go buy something and then, you know, you don't even have it for a very long time before it starts to break. Well, that's because there's something that is a, a, a policy and it's actually codified into law where people who engineer and de- design things engineer and design things to break. Like you cannot make a light bulb that lasts over a certain number of hours of use. 
that's it's against the law. There's a because you know it's it's codified into law. It's planned obsolescence. You know you can't sell a light bulb that lasts over. So you know there's this documentary called the Light Bulb Conspiracy, and they go into that and they point out the different uh, you know legislation and when it was implemented back in the 30s and all that stuff as a, re- a response to the Great Depression and all that. And it's like okay, well to avoid another crash, we need to you know put planned obsolescence and everything so people have to be buying things and. You know, in the meantime, we're filling up the landfills, but that's a great example of uh, an agenda or a policy that's external that has nothing to do with the actual uh, whether something works or whether it can be made better to work or not, but it's like imposed upon the, 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 whole, um, uh, the whole branch of science called engineering and uh, all the whole entire uh, – manufacturing community engineering community uh, adheres to it and it's it's a uh, it's a conspiracy of sorts and it's not it's not hidden it's like it's you know i mean it's obvious you go to the store and buy something and see how long it takes to break and then look at some stuff that's made in the 1940s and it's still in use today and people can still use the stuff I, i've seen now this friend of mine he he bought a refrigerator from the 1940s he plugged it in and 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 uh stuck some soda pop in it and 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 by the afternoon they're cold, ice cold, and it's like yeah, it still works. And to demonstrate that yeah, that that uh, planned obsolescence wasn't always uh, as as pronounced as it as it is today. But okay, yeah, you're going to conflate uh, Darwinism with the engineering. So there's an example of where uh, this whole body of science is uh, under the sway of a uh, of a policy or a political concern or uh, sort of an uh, unspoken, not 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 generally expressly stated, but there's a, cor- a, cor- a corporate culture that's in effect that's reflective of this legislation that's in place. That yeah, we we do our science under these restrictions, and yeah, it has it has nothing to do with actual uh, how functional or how long lasting things can be. Uh, from a, from a purely uh, engineering standpoint, so you know, th- there you go with that. So, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think those are some. I just think those are some important things to to to, to kind of get a grasp on, like as far as how people approach things. You know, like uh, you know, why something is true, why something may not be true, and. Uh, you know, examine individual claims as you're presented with them instead of, you know, allowing things to be categorized a certain way so that uh, any and everything can be sold to you as long as it's has adopted a certain label. I think there's a tendency for that among people to be prone to that, you know, in all different arenas, not just science or things related to that, you know what I mean? I totally agree with you. You said a conspiracy of sorts, and I would say it absolutely is conspiracy. So, uh, if you don't mind, I would read a little bit of scripture here. If it's all right to you, if it drives anybody else away in the chat room, well, so be it. Uh, I respect that. <laughs> but as for me, if we look at Romans 1, it says, For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that 
When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and foolish in, in their foolish heart was darkened. Professing, like a professor, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, changing, or, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man, to birds, to four-footed beasts, and creepy things. Wherefore God gave them up unto uncleanliness through lust of their own hearts, and dishonored their own bodies between themselves, etc., etc. And he goes on to talk about all the uh, behaviors of uh, men as they reject what is obviously clear that there is an intelligent designer, God, uh, whatever you like to call Heavenly Father, or etc., you know, this the fact of the matter is, uh, there is no way you can go around it. In fact, uh, thinking about these sort of things is what actually, along with recognizing the, the wickedness of the world, <clears throat> brought me to a belief in a God. It's interesting that if someone like me can figure that out, why not them? And so uh, you look at this whole idea of scientism, and it really is just that. It's a religion based on faith, and the more you challenge the basic premises of uh, the basic foundation of scientism, from whether the Earth is a globe, to evolution, to the Big Bang Theory, to etc., you come to realize that it's a whole bunch of BS and lies. So, I also notice, too, that uh, uh, the sociopaths, these really psychotic, disturbed individuals, what they like to do is make... Uh, Outlandish, outlandish claims. Um, they use all sorts of uh, justifications, uh, fallacious arguments, as you say, to the point where your head is spinning and you're believing things that aren't true. And then, you know, if you don't believe in what they say, well, then they'll call you the F word or they'll call you this, that, or the other, make fun of you, accuse you of being all sorts of things. <clears throat> but they, they will not actually back up their claims with evidence. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter yeah. whether it's science, it's religion, uh, what's going on in the chat room. <laughs> you know, I mean, it goes on and on. It's an endless thing. So it makes you wonder about the culture or the world that we live in. What drives the majority of people to uh, basically lie, uh, try to manipulate people with uh, their, their skill in language, the use of words? Do we really understand what, what sorcery really is? Is it really just pharmacia, or are we talking about the fact that through the use of words in written paper and then having somebody who's in a position of authority that someone gave to them or that we blindly give to them, that, that somehow that must be the truth? And we never are taught from the very early of age of ages not to critically think but to actually question what they're saying, and we're not encouraged to do that. If we do do that, we're punished, um, and we're ostracized, and we're accused of all sorts of things and pushed to the side. So it's extremely important what you're dealing with because it actually, the magnifications of that apply to all areas of life, whether it's politics, religion, the legal system, uh, individual claims about yourself and others, um, uh, your own claims, what you actually believe in. Why do you believe in the things that you believe in? Can you actually substantiate any of your claims? Um, and you'll find that 
it's a brutal reality when you realize that you're basically a walking, I like to call a bobblehead. The majority of humanity is walking around going, the head up and down, saying, yeah, I know everything. I have the truth. I'm, I'm, you know, I got it all figured out. When the reality is you haven't got anything figured out at all. You're completely mind control at all aspects of your life, and it's a very disturbing reality. It's yeah, really disturbing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think uh, an important thing to point out too is that it is, you know, there's a common thread like you know with with uh, like Mormonism or you know scientism or uh, these other isms, Catholicism, and it's it's Mohammedism. <laughs> or yeah, and then I like to also incorporate uh, you know statism into this too. It's it's this. Uh, Perceived authority and and appeals to authority and uh, you know I, we, I was on the last call I kind of got into some uh, of you know discussion about law and about the government and about you know what it, what it is and then you know the question of you know what what about uh, you know divine right to rule and and all that and that and that kind of led to a series of you know questions that I, you know I've had in my mind about you know the 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 government's divine, the divine right to rule, and yeah, you get into some. Well, it's really funny to, if you know because they base it up because we live in quote unquote a Judo Christian society. We still do in 2015. It influences everything, and really, what that is is Catholicism and Universalism. And uh, what you know, when you think about that divine right to rule, well, first of all, everyone really does believe in the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? Who is the prince of this world? That is Satan. And Satan then gives, who gives the divine right to rule? Because it's not Heavenly Father, it's Satan. Wow, that makes a lot of sense when you really think about it, because, you know, you look at how corrupt humanity is and governments are and how nothing good comes from it. It's all based on oppressing you, keeping you down, and keeping you from even knowing the very basic truths. What does that say? Well, that says to me that it says who gave the divine right to rule? Satan himself did. There you go. So now we can just throw that out the window and say, you know what? And that's, of course, is my assumption. It's my opinion. It's my based on scripture and what I see in the world. I can't see of any other way you can go around it when the leaders of this world themselves apparently are Luciferians and Satanists themselves. I what else can one say except that they are the ones worshiping this entity called Satan, Lucifer, and they feel that they get their divine right to rule through this. It's not the true God of the Bible, it's the actual God of this world that gives them this divine right. And if you're willing to kill, lie, deceive, perpetuate the, the lie, uh, well, you know what? We'll give you a nice place, a nice cushy place to keep it going, so... I don't see anybody that says the argument that God himself gives anybody the divine right to rule. Whether they obviously don't know the word of God, and they don't really know what they're talking about. They're just saying that justify the fact that they're an organized crime syndicate willing to actually take whatever they want, and if you don't comply with it, then they'll come with their guns or their boat, their, 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 their billy stick and nightstick and beat the crap out of you and throw you in jail, as you know. There's a guy I was talking to today who spent uh, five years in jail and was sentenced for 15 years for getting in a fight with his girlfriend, and he punched her. 
of course, she punched him too. She didn't get anything, but he got five years in jail because he didn't know the, he, uh, she had the right people to, and she knew the right people, and they threw the book at him. Of course, also this is Virginia, and of course their laws are even more stricter than most. But it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. If you're not the insider, if you're not one of them, you know you're really at their mercy of their mercy. Or you know, or you, you know, you, I guess what it comes down to, when I think about it, Chris, is, are you going to be at the mercy of God, the true living God, which I believe is who really protects us through our lives at this point, from my own personal experience, can't prove it to anybody. All I think I say is, you try it out for yourself, or the mercy of man. And I tell you one thing, putting your mercy of man is a pretty bad idea because of your own personal experience. Uh, the majority of people really do suck. I'm sorry to say that, and that sounds a little obnoxious, but it really is the case. You hear this fallacious argument that most people are good by nature, history, my personal experience, I'm sure yours, Chris, as well, dictates or share, essentially influences me to say that unless, uh, unless their their basic creature needs comfort uh, uh, comfort creature needs are met and that they're isolated from you um, they're not really all that great honestly I mean I know, I know what else to say I know this sounds cynical but when we look at the past century and the hundreds of millions of people that were just slaughtered by war then you look at the science scientism and their use of uh, euthanasia and um, um, uh, what do they call it? And I slipped my mind, and everyone knows what it is. But anyways, you know, experimentation on uh, innocence. Um, what is? What can? What come, look at scientism. This whole freaking lie about everything is based on a lie. It's all based on a lie. There's no reason at this point, when it comes to at least cosmology or astrophysics or anything of that nature, uh, those quote-unquote sciences, to believe that they're any more than a religion led by high priests. No different. A legal system the same way. It's, it's, <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. It's very disheartening. It's very frustrating to realize that, you know, um, man's ways really will basically enslave you one way or the other. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, you can't, you got to, as you and I have talked about this, about the moon, they fake the moon, they fake all the CGI imagery about all the quote-unquote planets. Um, everything's a, you know, a, uh, um, evolution, how it's all based on lies and deception. You know, and it's really frustrating because I'm a guy who went to college, university for environmental science management. And I was in that crowd of people for a 47-year-old, so for the first majority of my life, at least till I was 45, I believed in all this nonsense until I actually stepped back like yourself and asked some questions. Now, I'm not as as intelligent or as articulate as you are, Chris, but in the end, I mean, we both came down to the same conclusion that we're being BS'd and lied to. <laughs> and what do we yeah. do about this? Except well, that's how the system operates. I mean, I don't think there's much debate about that. I mean, from anybody who's looking at it from, uh, you know, that's had any kind of direct interactions or extensive interactions with, uh, you know, so-called system. Uh, one thing that's 
apparent is that yeah, there is no uh, there is no appeal to any kind of you know divine right to rule. I mean the the whole premise that you know we're told that the whole thing is based on is that it's you know consent of the governed and, and rule by the people and the people that uh, identify themselves as government are the ones that you know represent the people and that's that's the way that it's presented to us you know and uh, right. that yeah but so of course um, those people turn out to be the ruling elite they're all part of the the party if you will like from 1984 and you and I have never voted for a president and most likely never voted for anybody else. So it's interesting when you talk about legal system and the politics that the, of the three quote-unquote branches of, of the political system, the judicial system actually is the one that's the most powerful. And think about this, folks. When you went to, last time you went to your local, you know, elections, you know, state elections or your, um, you know, your local elections, and you're voting for the judge. Did you even know who he was? Did you even know what his party line, what party he was affiliated with, as if it mattered, anyways? Um, did, you, did you know his own background? Do you know what he believes in? Do you know if he's a Freemason? Do you know who he actually represents? Do you know anything about him? No, you don't, and you're never going to give be given that information unless you go way out of your way to find it. And by the time you do do that, it won't matter anyways because they already have chosen who's going to be your judge and juror. <laughs> God, mm-hmm. It's yeah. ridiculous. The more and more you think about it, this whole uh, it goes lighter right hand with scientism with uh, the religion of the state and how wonderful America is, and that it represents democracy. And of course, we all know anyway. Spend just a little time that they do everything in their power to destroy any semblance of democracy and whatever they even that means at this point in other words is this whole uh, Orwellian doublespeak and just they go as democracy well what, that, what, what does it mean it's just like the, the Constitution remember you, you were talking about the guy uh, last night about legal system you showed he brought up Constitution as if that mean, means anything I mean even if you know the things you know the pursuit of happiness what the hell does that mean? Can you yeah, tell me, Chris? What does that mean? The pursuit well, of happiness. I, I, it's, it's just a platitude. It's not. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with. Uh, yeah, anything that's uh, can 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 be actually defined definitively and succinctly. It's just you know, yeah, it's just simply a platitude. And yeah, it 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 demonstrates the fact that. Uh, yeah, what whatever uh, is behind uh, the power of the that exists, you know, on 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 this planet, it it is certainly the way that is it is presented to those that are being ruled. It's presented in a way that is um, doesn't really have any kind of consistent logic at all to it. It's it's just kind of like you know you you. You go into well, you well, you come into the world and then you get indoctrinated and then you kind of you build these associations with you know different imagery that you're presented with, different things that you're told, little stories, you know, the, the George Washington chopped down the cherry tree and his dad said hey or something or another that he was an honest fellow and 
that was somehow uh, an illustration of his character and his sort of uh, um, foreshadowing of the wisdom that he would use to later rule to the point where, well, not not necessarily rule like a king because that was that was sort of being done away with as an idea or a concept. You know, the, the, the divine right of rule it, it, it expressly stated that kind of was predominant. What in the like fifteen. 1500, 1600, something along that lines. But that was supposed to be a departure from that. And then this new thing was being, a new concept of being introduced of, uh, oh, representatives of the people and government by, what, what do they claim it to be, government uh, by and for the people? Whatever that is. Whatever that means. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> and then the Constitution, from what I understand, I don't know, I wasn't there, but uh, it was drafted in a closed door session with the windows boarded up and only certain select wealthy landowners could attend. And it was closed to the public. And then that's when they drafted the Constitution and they emerged from their uh, closed door session with the windows boarded up. And they said, Behold, your, your, your new law, everybody, here it is. And it's the it's the constitution and then uh some other people stepped up and said hey that's not good enough let's put the we need this you know thing called bill of rights and then but you know then the whole premise of that uh, that concept is never really explored in your schools and your universities and your uh anywhere else for that matter television or you know it's it's, it's okay um no, so, they don't so, want you to be. They want you to worship and yeah. idolize it. Because if you actually well, right. read the paper and study it, you realize that it's a, it's a masterpiece, of propaganda, and it's a flat out. It's, it's one of the most emptiest documents you've ever seen. And I know people say, "Oh, it's going to upset somebody," but you know what? It's the truth. It's as vague as vague can be. Well, take the uh, what is it the. Fourth Amendment to the Constitution that states that, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, you have uh, the right to be secure in your personal effects and to be uh, safe from unreasonable searches and seizures. That's (laughs) your right, you know, as as, uh, announced in the Constitution. And then, okay, if you want to kind of step back and analyze that, for just a minute, it's like, okay, what, what do you mean by reasonable? What is what is the definition of reasonable, and who who defines what is reasonable and what is not? Well, obviously the those in charge, right? The, those with the well, actually, what it comes down to is those with the guns and the will to power, so that they will use violence and force against you if you don't comply, and they define what's reasonable. So. Yeah, so you know, in the you fast forward to 2012, and I'm not saying that all this, you know, encroachments on our rights or you know anything new. I think this is, you know, if you if you go back into the early foundations of the so-called country, there were they 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 were violating their own uh, principles straight out of the gate. So yeah, I mean, there's examples of that to where they imprison people for having a certain designation. You know the what was it, the Jacobians, and then they were um, sort of like the Al-Qaeda of the day, so they were seen as a threat to the New Republic, and then, you know, they could just be accused of being a Jacobian infiltrator, and you'd be locked in prison without trial, without anything, you know, just no due process, like they claim that everybody's entitled to, but no, not the Jacobians, they're too dangerous, and we got to lock them in jail, and 
that's just the way it is. Sorry. And it's like, oh, what about the Constitution? It's like, oh, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? It's like uh-huh. they were, we're under a threat, you know. It's like just like today. It's like, oh yeah, we got all these rights and and uh, you know these these all these principles that we adhere to, but uh, not not when we're under a threat. And then you know it's, that all goes out the window in the interest of you know maintaining public security and safety, right? Because you know, <laughs> but there's always been a threat every time. Every you go back. Well, uh, history. There's always been a threat. Always. Haven't, haven't we been uh, under the uh, martial law since um, since the end of the uh, Civil War? Well, yeah. Tec- the tec- technically, War I mean, Powers what? Act and the what, let, what me, let me re- let me rephrase yeah. it. Haven't we? Uh, every human being that's ever lived on this planet that's under any form of government is already under martial law. Yeah, what do, the, what do you look at the Marshall Plan or the you know the War Powers Doctrine or you know any of those things? It's like oh yeah, you know we understand that oh well the Constitution and rights, but you know it's like oh it's a matter of national security that you know we got to under these you know circumstances you know just kind of bypass all of that you know it's just like you know a wave of the hand and then it's all just you know a, a moot point. Because you know we're under we're under a, a attack, you know, and we've always been under attack. There's not not one time in our history I don't think that we can point to where we haven't been under some kind of uh, threat. There may be some interludes in there scattered in between, but you know, overall, but you know, we've always been sort of a, at a continual perpetual state of war. And uh, I mean, we see yeah. also too with this quote unquote Roman legal system. Uh, you know what? N- uh, none of it. I mean, look at the treaties with the Native Americans. Look at the laws that they have in this land. It's all subject to change at their whim. And yeah. there's nothing that you can do about it. And, you know, if t- tonight, if the police want to come knock on my door and throw me in jail for the rest of my life, there's zero. Nothing I can do about it. Now, somebody might interge- interject, somebody might help me out. Maybe the good Lord might interject or you know, that kind of thing. But the truth of the matter is, when you have a quarter of all... Oh, my goodness. This looks like... Uh, you might have fell off or I fell off. <laughs> I don't hear anything. Uh, anyways, let's see if you can get I'm back here. Oh, good. There you are. You just muted, huh? Good. Uh, yeah. yeah, just you know, just, just the fact that, you know... The thing, the thing is, we're in blind faith about all sorts of, of assumptions, all, all sorts of uh, pieces of paper and words on it that really are subject to the whims and will and, and desires of other men that control you. Now you might say, "Well, I don't like that. That's a bad attitude to have." Well, I'm sorry to say, it's the reality. And if you think you're going to change anything through the legal system or even through the this world system that we're under, um, you're delusional. You and I are nobodies in the big scheme of things. Now, I hate to sound so it's a good negative, but you really the, the answers are not in the system itself. Um, you know this whole idea. I remember listening to the guy last night about it, and it's by the legal system, he's trying to help people out and all that and learning all this and how to play within the system. And it's just, that's, that's all it is. It's playing within the system. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you kind of learn the nature of the the so-called, quote-unquote, law. 
and then uh, if you had enough dealings with it, you you find out the arbitrary nature of it. It's it's so flexible. It's incredibly flexible. It's it's quite a it's quite a uh, it's quite a magician's trick, really. When you when you really analyze it for what it is in, in reality, you know it's it's you know you have this thing called law, and they're making reference to all these codes, these statutes, and these different jurisdictions. And you know you got county, you got city, you got state, you got federal, you got all these different. Uh, you know, different, you know, so-called governmental bodies. And then they're there, but they all kind of uh, work in unison, you notice that, and they don't really represent, you know, any kind of real separation of uh, powers. They, they only purport to. And then, you know, uh, if you question that, I mean, just go to go from state to state, spending an amount of time there and look at the uniformity of laws and how they're applied and how the cops treat you. And it's like, yeah, it's all the same. So it's this unified front that is uh, gives the illusion of some kind of competition, and then and and what's supposed to be uh, characteristic of the Constitution is this concept of separation of powers. But there is no real separation of powers. Just just the same as there is no. Uh, and we talk about this a lot on the, on the calls, on the hostbusters call. It brings up we bring this up from time to time. There's real no competition between the large uh, conglomerate, multinational conglomerates, and corporations that. You know, we're told that are uh, in competition, and and they're not really in competition. They work in unison. They they work from the same playbook, and they conduct themselves in uh, a very uh, regimented, consistent manner across the board. And they they don't deviate from a certain set of defined set of uh, you know strict uh, uh, unspoken, not not directly uh, expressed, but uh, there's definitely uh, a sort of code that's adhered to, you know, it's like, why does everybody work a 40 hour work week? Why, why isn't there more, uh, you know, part, quote unquote, part-time employment whatever that means, that's a relative term, I guess, is that, you know, pays a comfortable living. Well, that, that just doesn't exist within our economy. Well, why not? I mean, if you can do the job that's required of you in, uh, three days a week instead of five days a week and 40 hours a week. Uh, why couldn't that such a thing exist? And But it doesn't exist. But, you know, and I've pointed out before when I've had, uh, um, uh, I've taken jobs that were, just, you know, minimum wage, wage jobs. I've, you know, uh, noticed that, okay, oh, here's the income I'm getting. And then this covers rent and it covers food and it covers bills and, and not much else. And it's just, so amazing how that just happens to work out that way and it's just a, across the country and pretty much a standard that the minimum wage just basically affords you the, the base level necessities and then it's sort of like being a plantation slave to where you know you you instead of being cared for by the plantation owner you you're you're issued a stipend so that you can manage yourself and your own your own needs and then you know you show up to work every morning and then like your whole life is you know either at, at the job or preparing for work the next day and then uh, you might get a maybe a maybe a weekend off and then you end up you know getting kind of caught up on household chores and stuff and then maybe you have a few hours of leisure time and maybe if you're lucky you have you know maybe a, a day of, of leisure time to yourself an entire day and uh 
But, you know, you are a de facto slave, even though it's not uh, expressly stated that we live under a, a sophisticated form of slavery where, you know, we've been tricked into <laughs> taking care of ourselves and then, you know, so much emphasis on, you know, where people in generally just, you know, they they see that, uh, you know, as an honorable, honorable thing, you know, even though, you know, you're essentially a slave, but that's seen as honorable, you know, to work, to pull your own weight. But, yeah, really you're enriching some total stranger who you really don't have any close affiliation with other than that that is your employer. And you, generally speaking, work to... uh uh, enrich th- enrich them because they are a little bit further up on the uh, management uh, chain than than you are. If you're uh, if you're like me, you're kind of just at the lower rungs of society where you know I, I I'm not independently wealthy. I, I have to you know uh, either work a 40 hour work week or like. Uh, you know, temporarily on right now, I'm on, uh, like social security income and all that from, uh, of, you know, that I paid into, uh, during the time that I was working since I was 15. And, uh, but either way, you know, you're, you're in the system and there's no really easy way to, you know, get disconnected or break out of it because there is no way. Yeah. You you still, no matter what, are going to be beholden to it, you know? It's like, okay, so maybe, like, someone like myself, well, you know, how do you take the positions that you do, Chris, and then you're getting a check from the government. That's ridiculous. You know, you should uh, pay pay fealty to the government and obey the government And since they're your uh, benefactor. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, so I'm their benefactor no matter what, though. So if I, if I go off the... Uh, I don't know how it's considered the dole if you paid into it, but okay, you know, if you get a tax return, I guess you're in the same category, right? Because you're receiving money from the government. So you owe them fealty then, right? Because you're getting a payout from the government, even though it's a tax return and you, whatever. But it's, it, it, no matter what where you are in society and what your, what your income source is, you still got to use the roads, all right? So then, okay, so by using the roads, you're under obligation to be obedient and to, uh, you know, pay homage to the government and recognize their authority over you? Is that is that how all this works? Because in reality, like, what, what actually is the government and what is it that they actually produce? Isn't it the average working schlub that actually produces everything that's usable and tangible and has real bearing on a so-called economy. That's the way I look at it. So the idea that uh, the government can give you anything is sort of a, it's an abstract concept that doesn't have any bearing on reality because in in order for you to be able to give something to somebody, you have to create and produce something that's tangible and valuable. You can't just shuffle imaginary figures around and claim to be the the where wealth emanates because wealth doesn't emanate from banks or this fiction called money it's like only when the fiction called money motivates somebody to do something that expresses itself in the material world that results in either like a head of lettuce getting picked out of a field and brought to a store or anything like that otherwise it's you know 
Well, in other words, it's just a way to look at the economy and the system that we're in. You know, it's, it's, that's the way I look at it. I, I look at I look at things in those terms and uh, what what is actually uh, uh, has its bearing on reality, other than some abstract concept like government or what would be uh, considered a uh, you know a a a function of the so-called government because basically it's just all um based on the idea that these people that are designated as as government have some sort of real bearing on uh on the the physical plane that we exist in as far as actually making things happen but actually it's it's people's perceptions of what this thing is and how it applies to them that actually make things happen. You know what I mean? Cause it's, 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 it's a motivator, but it's, it's all psychology. It's how things are perceived. But yeah, you get into some really, uh, I think, you know, if you think, if you think long and hard about it, you know, you can really get a different kind of perspective on just, things that we I think we generally always take for granted, you know. Like uh yeah, like well what exactly are you talking about when you're talking about the government or what exactly are you talking about when you're talking about money? What exactly are you talking about when you're talking about uh you know what is what is who is somebody that is uh productive or somebody who's non productive or you know, it, it it when you really examine it and you examine the government itself, it's like, well, okay, are the majority of those people that identify themselves with government, are they themselves, even though they might be gainfully employed and work 40-hour work weeks and all that, it's like, what exactly are they, what function are they performing in society that is uh, directly beneficial to an individual as it applies to, you know, your food, shelter, and clothing, and, you know, putting a roof over your head and all that. It's like, well, people sitting in offices shuffling, shuffling paper around and, and, and uh, performing these different kind of, you know, quote-unquote necessary functions that could be done much better and more efficiently in some other arena. Um, I think they, they, for the most part, especially, like, when you go into, like, the military, I mean, they represent like this massive drain on true wealth, you know, when you stop and think about it, because, you know, the military really doesn't have any valid function other than to fight fictional boogeymen. You know, we talked about that, how, you know, all this terrorism stuff is made up out of whole cloth and it's fictional, fictional based. Uh, So we have this whole, literal army that's out there to fight fictional enemies that don't exist. And then we have NASA performing these uh, stage production rituals that don't even have any tangible beneficial result other than to bamboozle and to shape people's perceptions about, you know, what are the, you know, quote unquote achievements of mankind and 
what is, what is where is science and progress taking us and all this so i think that has a lot to do with the the religion of scientism is is nasa and its quote unquote achievements so you know you have that multi billion dollar operation that is basically just uh soaking up and wasting uh the productive efforts of you know people people in uh well it's designed to do that yeah, yeah, all this, that's what I'm getting at is like all this, all this is designed to do that because I think that if, you know, the the actual, you know, productive members, uh, the the working class or the people who produce make things, so either maybe it'd be art or maybe it'd be, uh, like I said, you know, taking a head of lettuce and transporting somewhere where somebody can have access to it or you know, growing something or, you know, like a farmer or something like that, like those people were to reap the benefits of their labor and have a, uh, have an access to what they actually produce. Uh, even if it was, um, maybe a a 50% return on their input and labor, uh, we would be prosperous beyond our wildest imagination. I believe that's because we don't realize that our 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 productive efforts are for the most part uh squandered and stuffed in these um, these rat holes that end up uh squandering the wealth after the the elites at the top have amassed uh unrealistic amounts of wealth and land and houses and more than they could possibly utilize in a hundred lifetimes. You know, some of these people are, you know, trillionaires. The idea that Bill Gates is the richest man on the planet is just ridiculous. But uh, you look at some of these families and their, and their accumulated wealth, even if you use conservative estimates that are based upon what their net wealth was from back in the, you know, the turn of the 18th century or something like that, like, you know, people like the Rothschilds, something like that. You know, they're they're, they're even a very minimal conservative estimate that their wealth would have to be many orders of magnitude bigger than Bill Gates, at least. You know, so yeah, yeah. But, yeah that's that's what we're laboring for, is what I'm trying to get out. I mean, that's that's what our that's what our kind of day in and day out existence sort of amounts to, is just you know servicing these individuals, you know, that sit at the top of this, you know, so-called money system. Well, yeah, well, as part of it's that, that, that's a huge element of it, but uh, for my own research, and I know people don't like the stomach it or tolerate it, but uh, all roads lead back to Rome, and um, it has really nothing to do with even Roman Catholicism, because the Vatican took over the Roman Catholicism quite a while ago. So but if you look at Rome, we look at the ruling elite that the that's that this Roman Empire that's existed for uh two plus thousand years and the Italian families and et cetera, the German families and these wealthy families that you'll never hear of unless you really spend some time and look into it. Uh, but in particular, you know, we look at the divine right to rule actually comes from the papacy itself. And this whole notion 
because it's our modern version of the uh, Caesar Maximus. The Roman Empire never left, folks. We're proud of it. Anybody thinks the United States of America operates autonomously or does its own thing or what it wants to do, you really don't understand what's going on. You really got to look into it a little bit harder than that. You're going to realize that this country, at least the United States, the corporation of the United States, we call Washington, D.C., that was built on top of Rome, Maryland, as uh, nothing more than subservient. Uh, outpost, outpost for the Roman Empire, <clears throat> and that we have become the whipping boy or for the Roman Empire. And we look at this as you go up the the, the pecking order. And uh, oh yeah, England, England. By the way, England, worst year to discover the Treaty of Paris in seventeen. 83, and the fact is, to this day, we're still a British colony. You'll find that many of our states even have a qualification to be a commonwealth. The truth of the matter is, we're just a British part of the British Empire, but we have to understand that even if you look at the Treaty of Paris, that the King of England considered himself, and it was had the title of uh, the representative of the... the, the um, uh, the prince of the Roman Empire. It, it, it all is tied together. I mean, you look at your taxes. Yeah, they go to the British crown and they go to the papacy. What is the papacy? It's been a political organization all along, one of the guise of religion. And that's about all it is. And, um, you know, the thing of the matter is you look at our own reality, you look at the fact that none of us on this chat room or, I uh, mean, Chris, own property will never technically legally whatever own property you can't just do whatever you want in this country that days long 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 gone many generations ago case in point I look at my own community here I live in Northwest Ohio a suburb of Toledo Ohio it's called Sylvania and you know what? You just can't build any old house. You want, maybe I want to build a house that's an octagon shape. You can't do that. You can't build any type of house you want to do. It has to be a box, and it has to be this type of box. And you're limited. You can't have chickens in your yard, and you can't have a garden in your front yard. Or the government or the police can come in and just come and tear it. Uh, bulldoze it down and uh, you can't do anything that you really want to do you're not free and you've never been free the only thing you're free to do is which choice of servitude would you like to be part of and even then you're at the subject subjection of your uh, whether it's the middle management management of the corporation that you work for somebody said earlier that it's corporate fascism well certainly fascist corporate fascism is a big part of it but it's only a part of the fascist uh, Romanistic state that we live in. I mean, fascinating little bit of information when you look at uh, look at uh, look look at the Pope's visits, and we gave the joint session to Congress, and behind him there were two other Jesuits, Biden and Boehner, and on each side of Biden and Boehner was the fasci. That fasci was put right after World War II, literally between the year two. 1945 and 1946. Now, what was that all about? I thought we fought the fascist state of Germany and won. What the heck did we bring all of their scientists and their leaders back to the Western, quote unquote, Western Hemisphere and start 
propagating all these deceptions and lies. I mean, most people believe in lie after lie after lie after lie, and it's really important for your own salvation and soul to actually wake up to these things. <laughs> really, I mean, uh, the fact that the world that you look at, you, none of us have ever seen what the world that we live on is. None of us. And I, uh, that's a, I know that's a very bold statement, but I'm so confident in that that I'll bet you a thousand bucks that you cannot show me a complete, full panoramic view of the planet, whatever it is, that we live on. You don't. The only thing you've got from 1972 is a picture of a camera pushed against a round window in some kind of craft up there in some certain height. And that's all you got. The rest of it is CGI. And that's just and that's the foundation of of your lies. If you don't even know what your world looks like, and they're lying to you about that, I bet you they're lying to you about everything else. What do we think, Chris? <laughs> what do yeah, you think? I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. I think now I I did a call to NASA and uh, I was asking them. Okay, yeah, you got a picture of the oh, they call it the blue marble, you know, the earth from space. and uh, The blue marble. <laughs> yeah, the blue marble. By the way, I live in Great Lakes region, and I was, you know, this whole thing about, like, you see uh, uh, Chicago 60 miles away is true. They got some old man trying to prove it's not. He's got some kind of uh, uh, survey equipment, some, some supposed latest, or he's in a camera, and he's bouncing around trying to... But I, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen Chicago for 30 miles away, at um, uh, the Indiana sand dunes, I've seen the Chicago from 41 plus miles away from um, uh, Michigan City. I've seen it, uh, and tens of thousands of others in the Great Lakes region have been able to see Chicago. And I'm talking about now. We look at the Willis Building from the very top to the very almost the very bottom, based on their own math uh, about the cur curvature of the Earth. You should not be able to see, for instance, from uh, 30 miles away, at least a third of the Willis building should be missing, but it's not. 40 miles away, it's close to two-thirds. 60 miles away, it should be um, uh, uh, what is it, almost a uh, fifth or a fourth of a mile below this curvature of the Earth. Guess what? It, that's not a ball. Guess what? I don't need to have the scientists, the high priest of scientism, tell me that the world is a ball. I don't need to, and tens of thousands in this region where I live in, and I'm sure millions, but most people have never even thought of it. I never even thought of it as a kid growing up and going to the Indiana sand dunes and checking out the, the, the city skyline of Chicago. I never once thought about, oh, maybe the Earth is flat. Nobody even told me that. In fact, they're told you the complete opposite, that it can't be flat, and you're an idiot if you believe such a thing. It wasn't until I discovered this, that the science, the scientism math, see, this is one of the things that they use to deceive you is their math. And because you can't comprehend it or do it yourself, you've got to put your faith in them. Can you see the, the problem here? Can you see the problem, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I know you can. <laughs> and whether or not you agree with the fact that it's flat, and it really doesn't matter. One thing is really it's, 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 it's that we've never seen our Earth, and uh, the world that they say and the shape that they say it is is not what it is. Why are they lying to you? Those 
couple basic things. What, could it cause possibly that everything else is simply based on a lie? And, and it is fascinating when you start to realize this because you realize that what we're really doctorated and trained to do is be liars and deceivers. We're walking bags of hypocrisy, all of us. I know that's a harsh thing to say, but when you finally realize that you believe in one lie after another and you've been spouting it out, think about me as a kid growing up and being a Mormon, going on a mission to London, England. I went to the North London uh, mission and uh, going around and face strangers and telling them that I had the meaning of life, the true meaning of life, and who God was and all this, and I was thoroughly convinced, and it was funny, just like 60% of all the other people that go on a Mormon mission, sometime during their mission, it's right, or sometime afterwards, they leave the church because they finally realize they're full of crap, and they don't know what they're talking about. I remember in one of the Mormon discussions, and we were talking to a lady, and I remember my, my companion because you're always in two, right, as most people know. And I, um, he asked me, well, what do you think about God? And I said, you know what, to be honest, if I'm really honest with you, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Needless to say that that discussion went down the tubes, and that lady didn't want to talk to us. But you know what, it was the truth. And it was one of the most honest moments I had in my life. And then it was from there, 21 years now to 47 years old, trying to be honest about things. And it's very difficult because I've been trained all my life to do the complete opposite, thinking that I'm being honest. It's really a sick, wicked system that we live under. And how is the political system going to change? How is the legal system going to change? How is the, the, the scientism, the scientific community going to change if everything and everybody's lying about everything and has no conscience about it? What happened to us? And these are, I mean, I, I know there, it's a loaded question, Chris, which I know you, you know, can't necessarily definitively answer, but it's a question worthy of asking, don't you think? I mean, what the hell happened to us whether the Americans or the Russians or the Chinese or whoever it might be, it doesn't really matter. What happened to humanity that all we do is barf out and regurgitate lie after lie after lie? Oh, I know for sure this is the case because I read the book. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's how we operate. Yeah, I mean, if uh, someone can... Uh, yeah, I think it, it comes down to being... Uh, of have the ability to do some self analysis or conduct an inventory inner inner inventory and uh kind of you know do a inner dialogue with yourself to see okay i mean this you know I believe this or I believe that i mean does you know do I have kind of a a basis for this belief is it something that is uh solid you know i mean i myself i i believe that uh you know the material world everything that's in it was created i mean i i base that on you know direct observation and what i see how things operate um it's self from, evident it's self evident uh, it's, it's evident from the point too i mean you can look at uh uh how okay even if you don't want to invoke anything that's put out there by you know quote unquote science cuz i it, when I when I make the case that you know the belief in scientism is a religion, I don't I'm not uh, rejecting the the concept you know of, of you know employing the scientific method because because I think what what it 
you know, it's an it's important thing to do is to define what, what you're talking about when you're talking about the scientific method. It's, I, I don't think that it is something that is uh, new in any way, shape, or form. I don't think it's anything that's um, necessarily ex- ex- extraordinary from the, you know, perspective of, you know, this is a human experience in general. It's, it's, it's basically, you know, uh, running series of tests, you know, determine something is true or not. And it's like, you know, you can, you can maybe, I can maybe come up with a kind of really rudimentary example of, uh, oh yeah, well I got some baking soda and oh, look what happens when I pour some vinegar into it and it bubbles and it foams and it, and it, and it, uh, overflows the glass or container that it's in. If you put too much of the vinegar in there or, or, and, and, you know, it'll work every time. And then you can maybe develop a hypothesis. Yeah. I wonder, I got this clogged drain. If I, if I stick that down the drain, if I put some baking soda down there, put some vinegar in there and I, and I, and I, and I kind of seal up the, 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 the seat drain with something. Let's see if it'll dislodge that clog. And then you test well, we, your hypothesis and you're, you, you're, you are con- you are there for engaging in the quote unquote scientific method. Now, when are you are you, are you Chris? Are you giving us a challenge there, bro? <laughs> I'm you know I'm I'm trying to do an illustration and at the same sure. time give some household hints. So I'm, thank I'm you. trying to thank, thank trying to yeah I'm trying to economize my yeah well anyway yeah you see what I'm getting at it's like is is there anything so extraordinary about that to where we have this perception of it in the modern day like it's some kind of uh uh there's kind of some kind of sanctity to it and a special designation to it that where where we we delegate this off into this special class of people that are you know quote unquote educated you Agreed. know and then degreed and yeah, um, are, are they doing science? Are they doing things on that on that order? Yeah, absolutely. I I I I see the the fruits of that all around me. You know, it's obvious, and and um, there's validity to it. And uh, the you know, well, I, well pure it, pure science. You know, right, you know, like you said, just operating under the uh, scientific method without any intervention or suppression by. Of the authority is what has given us many of the things that we use today. The fact that you and I are communicating, it came from science. Yes, science itself is observable, demonstrable, and uh, reproducible, right? It's replicable. So the fact of the matter is, science is actually wonderful. It's not, you know, I don't think you and I, of course, are not, are not uh, uh, anti-science. What we're anti is an anti scientism the religion of well, putting these men up into this this these behinds of, of the of astrophysics that, that they have somehow giving you the truth i mean when people uh, we operate on theory and that is irrational in itself it makes no sense why would you want for your own best interest to operate in theory well well i mean okay so well, I mean, I think theory is kind of. Uh, it, I think it's there's mis- misperceptions about what that what that word is. I mean, I mean, I, I did when I gave my example there. I said, you know, I I said, well, you know, I I have a theory that you know baking soda and vinegar will dislodge the clog in my sink, and it's like, okay, that's a theory. Well, that's an idea that 
it, it's just an idea or, or, or a concept or of a way to maybe apply what you know and see. Yeah, and that's what fine. Takes but, out. You know, but it's like the issue is you know, forcing it's like, that. It's forcing well, that let, on everyone else, right? Forcing yeah, let me, the idea without being proven. That's what the issue is, right? Well, um, it, you know, it, it, I think there's a there. What, what happens is there's this. Uh, um, uh, these these uh, workable, testable um, uh, procedures can be co-opted and hijacked to represent something that, or to extrapolate out and try to try to bolster concepts that uh, that it that it doesn't uh, uh, that it can't that you know it has limits is what I'm trying to say. I mean the, this the, these procedures i mean they have they have its boundaries and limits of what can be tested and what can be observed and and uh but scientism says that you know everything all of all of reality can be explained by way of the you know scientific method and uh, these observations and stuff like that but yeah I, I, that that's what i reject I, I don't i don't buy into that idea and i, I and i think that's where where it gets uh off into uh, these, you know, metaphysical claims and stuff like that that don't have any basis in reality, like how, you know, you can make a determination that, okay, the Earth is, you know, four point, oh, we're told this all the time, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. <laughs> but, you know, if you really examine the, the, that claim and, you know, take the individual points as they're presented and, and, and go into... Uh, uh, a study of those, you know, say radiometric dating or a, a lot of the different things that are held out there is like evidence that, you know, the earth is, you know, that, that ancient. And, uh, and you look at some counter claims to that, like, uh, the helium, helium dissipation, for example, in granite rock, you know, that's, that's printed out there. It's like, well, you know, if the earth is that old, then, then all the helium would have dissipated out by now. So it's like that, you know, okay, what's the explanation for that? I mean, how can the Earth possibly be that, that old and there wouldn't be no helium left, according to direct observational uh, empirical science of, of the rate of decay of, uh, what is it, uranium? That's something that uh, breaks down and forms helium, helium escapes, and it has the measurable rate of decay, and you can measure it, and... And you know, I, I've heard that, and I said, "Well, that that sounds scientific, and it sounds uh, reasonable." And and okay, why isn't that introduced into discussions of the age of the earth? Well, I, I think what happens is, is you know, that information is is uh, discarded or it's not allowed into discussion. It's it's real simple. Like you can you can pick and choose out of all the myriad observations that happen in the natural world. And you can emphasize some over the others, and you can build a case for something. It's just like how the news media operates. It's like you can, there's, in any given day, there's just um, innumerable events that occur on any given day in different communities that affect different people in different ways. Is that the, the media present, paints a picture of the world based on what they choose to emphasize and what they choose to ignore. You know, it's, it's just like how a lot of things work. And then the, it is to serve a certain agenda. It's like, that's how, like, you know, uh, 
like I said earlier, like all, all human institutions are prone to biases and they all have agendas and they all work towards certain goals and they all operate off a certain uh, corporate culture and, and they have a internal political organizations that uh, um, influence the way people operate in those institutions. And that's, that's, that's undeniable. But yeah, that's not only holds true for, uh, the media, the military, the every other university or any other institution you can point out also true for this thing called science. And that's how, you know, certain worldviews get passed off as science and it's just by, you know, select uh yeah, select selecting the data and rejecting the data that doesn't fit your model and just proceed forward from there, you know. It's like it's a uh, Pretty pretty basic though when you when you break it down how it, how it works and then you know if you want to interject a helium decay rate or something like that and and you want to try to um, press the issue when you're you know you're up and coming scientist you're gonna not go too far in your career you know it's just not gonna bode well for you because you have to uh, you have to defer to the in, entrenched you know political structure that's in place and it, it, it takes you, it dictates to you how you're going to think and what you're going to look at and what you're going to, you're going to downplay and what you're going to emphasize and what you're going to de-emphasize. It's all, it's all, uh, yeah, restricted within them within those, uh, defined boundaries as defined by the institutions themselves. It's true, and then there's the other element to all this is that we, the majority of us, <clears throat> are complicit to it, and uh, we base that on the fact. You know, I look at it this way: when I was in the environmental uh, science and consulting field, and I was working side by side, I never got their degrees and their uh, uh, their master's degrees and their PhDs, but I worked side by side with folks. Uh, with master's degrees and PhDs and, you know, the, the sciences, whether it was um, marine science or uh, um, geography or et cetera. And, and I've seen it firsthand, these men fighting. Because they're, they're debt slaves and because they're indebted up to their buck from the education that they got and then also and they got to pay that off and then the, the, they, they pay them a very minimal um, but they're willing to, to fudge numbers and to just comply with things. I mean, we were doing things supposedly like reclamation work and, and supposed to be, you know, this, um, as far as like cleaning up like biohazard material or whatever it may be. And, uh, the numbers were, were fudged to comply with the boss who was also complying to uh, the government and the EPA who were complying to their boss. And it goes on and on and up the food chain. And that's really what it comes down to is that we live in a system that does not reward honesty, does not reward honest, uh, sincere science at this point, unless it feels it has some kind of advantage towards it. I mean, if you look at if man was truly free in this in this uh, system that we live under, then the man should be able to own property and do his own thing. And if he wants to create his own source of energy, then he should have a right to do that, and nobody should interfere. And of course, this is all obvious to you and I and to everyone else, but yet we're not going to do anything about it, period. 
it's just a whole bunch of talk and this whole thing uh, we hear on the internet and it's kind of like this whole thing about the uh, breaking away from the system. Uh, you look at a guy like the Informer. You can find his work there on thinkofmebeaten.com uh, or Tom Fress or all these other guys that I know that I've had exchanges with on the show that have uh, renounced their driver's license and their Social Security card. And in truth, they're, in, they're all, every one of them was or is dependent upon their loved ones, in particular their wife, for a job and to drive them around. And they do all sorts of things. So it's, it's, it's a farce and it's a lie. There is no escaping this system. There is nowhere to go, earthly. Their dream is to design some kind of earthly kingdom of God, or, you know. But then truth of the matter is, you and I can't fight it. So what are we going to do? Well, what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to to live within it and hold some semblance of integrity, some semblance of decency, some semblance of uh, what we know to be right and, and honesty. You know what I mean? It's it's a hard thing to, to do. And, and uh, I, fi- I find it a very tragic situation that humanity is in, and I think I believe it's always been this way. I cannot think of any think back in history where there was a culture that was truly honestly free to do <laughs> what they they will or to be able to uh, just do what's right. You know what I mean? There's always been a ruling elite that controls the, the general populace and holds on to the secrets, the knowledge, etc., blah, blah, blah. I really think the greatest invention that mankind has created is the art of deception and lying. Which, by the way, turns out to be the number one element when it comes to war, economics, apparently science at this point, religion, all the all, all the different uh, institutions that govern our life. The number one element, obviously, clearly is even the uh, Sun Tzu, if that's how you pronounce his name, from the Art of War. Says the very first principle of war is deception. And that is what we're all under, and it's really sad because how do you break that away? How do you break away from that? I really think it almost is in the end it's an individual choice and how far you will go in breaking away from the deceptions because they're so vast and so deep. It really is. I mean, just any topic you want to talk about, the degree of deception is just disturbing, (laughs) you know? I don't know, man. Sorry, I probably sound like a, a bummer and a, and a downer here, but I, I just, you know, you and I have been on this planet or this ball or whatever the heck it is for almost well, long enough to, to recognize an awful lot of the contradictions that we live under. So, and we're not see. I'm not seeing anything really change uh, in, and and. In the masses, I see you changing. I see myself changing. I see people on the show changing. They're thinking, but the majority of people, you know what? They're going to be very happy just watching, uh, dancing with the stars and eating their uh, ice cream and going to the job. I mean, they're just going to be happy. Well, yeah, I mean, it. I mean, as far as whether 
oh well, you know, it's uh their their hope for change, you know, it's kind of like what uh I guess, you know, people you are trying to figure out, oh, yeah, well, what what to do about all of this or how, you know, how do you get out from under, um, you know, the system or, or you know, how, whatever you want to, what do you want to, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's, it's, you know, you, you generally you keep one foot in and try to keep one foot out and try to, you know, uh, it's more like, um, Damage control, I guess, is a, a good word for it, or to you know m- mitigate some of the effects of the impact on your life. It, I think a, it, it goes a long way to um, oh, you know, when you're seeing, uh, for instance, so uh, with the oh this recent thing with uh, oh allegedly all these people get shot up in a at a at a concert and they blow up a well, they set off bombs at a sporting event and then you know it's it's just this real cause for concern and uh everybody gets uptight about it and they get all in a they get all in a lather and they get uh you know it's it's designed to psychologically impact you and and if you understand the nature of the media and what it's there to do it's like in once you get a clear understanding of um you know it, when you see a high profile event like that and it's like uh you know it's I think there's this tendency too for people to to view someone like me that's you know pointing out like you know okay these events you know it's like they're they're you know they're scripted and you know they're stage managed and they're not real events and then you know the then the then then the well it's actually it's a, it's a straw man fallacy to where you know you misrepresent uh, someone by Putting putting their position in this sort of this absolutist, uh, put them putting in an absolutist position where they say, well, okay, so you believe everything is fake, Chris? Is like, well, no, I mean, yeah, I, be- I believe stuff happens, and you know, do suicide bombers exist? I, I don't know. It, yeah, they probably do, and then you know, they might go into a, a bus and blow it up, or something, blow themselves up, or you know, and, and this has happened and it continues to happen. And, uh, you know, and from what I understand, you know, there's, there's all these instances where, you know, that has happened. And well, I say all these, I don't know how often it occurs, but yeah, it happens and the media doesn't talk about it. It's funny. It's like, well, if you look at what terrorism is, it's like, okay, doing violence to try to achieve some political goal or make some political statement. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, the, the old saying of oh, the tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it. Does it make a sound? It's like, well, 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 terrorism too. It's like if you were to conduct a terrorism event and the media doesn't really report on it or plays it down, it's not going to have the uh, desired effect, right? Because it's the whole effect is to uh, work on the psychology of uh, a, a mass of people. And if you don't have that broadcast to a wide audience, it's not going to have an effect by by definition. You know that's that's what the uh, goal of of you know the, or at least the concept of terrorism. That's what the goal of it is, right? To make um, to persuade people through violence, and then you know the more people you can persuade, the better, right? Because if uh, you know you, you let's say, oh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and declare jihad. Yeah, what are you going to do, Chris? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to wear a green bandana and 
Well, I want to go out here in my backyard and, and set an American flag on fire. Okay, you know, good. I mean, have fun. But, you know, what is it going to do to impact anybody? It's not going to do anything. You know, you're just doing it in your backyard and nobody sees it, nobody hears it, nobody knows about it. And what 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 have you accomplished? You don't accomplish anything. But So, you know, with that in mind, only the mass media can perpetrate terror. Yeah. And that's well, what they do. They perpetrate terror on the masses. And, and it's like, uh, that's why you see these events and and what is really a indicator that you're looking at something that's uh, contrived or a hoax is the necessity to control the narrative. I think that's an important thing to understand because it's the media that's perpetrating this terror. And in order for them to do it effectively or to, to suit their particular agenda, what they're trying to achieve, they have to have complete control over the narrative. And, 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 and I believe that uh, would be hard to manage if, you have to rely upon some uh, real event, like the concept of, oh, they're allowing Muslims to attack on purpose, and then they cut, turn around. No, the whole thing is, script, is, is from beginning to end scripted so that the narrative can be controlled. That's, that's how this stuff works. And, you know, it's like some people, it's hard for them to mi- wrap their minds around. It's like, oh, how do you how do you do something like that out in the open in a, in a, in a rock concert, for instance, it's like, okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but you know, I get this set of imagery and it's like, okay, so this is supposed to be a rock concert. And okay, who are all these people? I don't know. These people, are they people from up? I don't know. Uh, how, what are some different ways? Could something like that be carried out and it be, uh, fake and contrived? Well, I mean, you can have, actual people from off the street involved do what's called street theater. And, and I think there's precedent for this. If you, if you look at uh, some of, some of the writings about, you know, what, what, what the CIA has been involved in and, and stuff like that, where they describe the very same thing. It's like, Oh, we shoot each other out in the street, but it's, you know, with blanks. And then, you know, we have uh, a, a cadaver lying on the street. And then when the crowd goes away, we go pick up our buddy. He's not really dead. He jumps in the back of the truck and we take off and it's like, Oh, a, a coup happened or something like that. whatever they're trying to communicate to the, the populace. It's street theater. It's a production and it's, and it's perception man. And it is to control and persuade, and persuade people that something has happened. And then, and then, and then they go proceed forward to tell you how to think about this quote unquote event. And, uh, when you like look into something like this Paris hoax, it's like, uh, we, we, we bring this up on the calls is that, uh, you know, there's these, uh, I, I've, I've made a list and I say that, you know, this is the, uh, the, the these are evidences of, of circumstantial evidences of fakery. So you have these similar, well, you have these same, you have the same pattern that reemerges to these high profile events. You have, uh, drills taking place at the same time, you know, you have, uh, either a movie that was due to release or a television show that was due to release depicting the same scenario as what, you know, allegedly happens in real life. So that we had the same thing with this Paris thing. There was a movie that was due to release with the same scenario of jihadists uh, doing a campaign of terror. And it was, uh, they had the posters up for the movie and all throughout the subway system and all over Paris uh, with uh, uh, Klishnikov rifle and, and, and superimposed over the actual tower. And that was, 
a movie that was due to release within uh, a matter of days with this so-called real event. And uh, that's something you see with, uh, uh, and I have it at hoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoaxhoax
and his folks from the Middle East, whether Muslim or not, really doesn't really matter. They'll try to tell you it's all about Muslim, but you know, most Muslims are just like Catholics. They're just Muslim model tradition than anything. And um, they're all a bunch of terrorists and everything. I don't know, you know, things, you know, so as they flood their country with all these uh, dislocated folks and their families, and then they reduce the economic ability for people to work and sustain themselves and create division and hate towards each other, then, uh, you know, <laughs> there you go. The beginning, so we will, of course, we know since 9-11, the beginnings of this, at least how I see at least how I see it is Albert Pike's Third World War being developed you know, rubbing the uh, the Mohammedists against the Zionists and to create their new world religion and their new world order. It seems to be that they're evolved around a false science. <laughs> it's very important to understand this stuff. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, I don't know. I asked. I don't know. There's a guest. You know who? Um, maybe you know who this is. One life to live. You know that? Uh, no. Not familiar. Uh, should I allow him to join the conversation for a little bit? Or is that something you'd like to do? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, I'll see what happens here. Open it up for him. Okay, one life to live. Are you there? Are you, One life to live. Are you the same as Guest I, 4? I, I am here. No, Guest 4 is actually, I believe, Toucan. Uh, one oh. life to live is Donaldson. Oh, you're Donaldson. Okay. Does, 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 yeah. I, I don't. I don't know you, but does Chris know you? Yeah, you well, were on I, I think, uh, the call yeah, last. My last call. Okay. So I wanted talk? to comment on the priesthoods, and I wanted to make a comment, yeah, about how the fact that a lot of people seem to think that governments are in con- are in control of things, when in fact it's the priesthoods that have always been in control. I mean, the priesthoods have always influenced governments. You know, as as um, you know, the go-to guys. So, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? I totally. First of all, I know we asked Chris, and I let him answer. But I want to say I totally agree with you on that. The spiritual always overrides the temporal. I really believe this at this point. And it, uh, I'm going to throw out a Bible verse, for this, regardless of whether it offends. It says here in Ephesians six twelve, which if you break that down is six 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 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the dark darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the King James Version, or you could go to other versions where it's talking about against uh, the uh, against rulers. So this one is uh, the New International Version, NIV, forever it's worth. Same thing, same thing against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, wherever, however you want to define it, it is true that it's an overwhelming truth that even dominates a man like Rockefeller or a guy like, uh, you, know, you know, whatever it may be, the Rothschilds, that this... It's a spiritual thing. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Whether you believe in angels, whether you believe in spirits or not, you know, you could just say simply it's mind control. The fact that the people who truly control the minds of the masses are the ones that dictate. May I interject? Yes. And say this, that mind control, government, okay? And the Bible states that government was established to be a terror 
to evildoers. Right. And that's like not to be taken like, lightly. Like the book uh, Rulers of Evil, I strongly re- recommend that people read Tupper Sophie's book. And, and as she uh, heard in one of his rare interviews, he's brought up, you know, thank goodness the evil men of this world rule the evil men. Because if it was good men that ruled the evil men, guess what would happen to the good men? They would be destroyed in a heartbeat. Because good men don't want to be rulers of this world. They don't want to be rulers of other people. They want to be a guy like Chris, myself, or others who just want to have their own life, think for themselves, and do their own thing. They have no interest in ruling other people. Good men do not have a desire to control and manipulate and rule other people. So what do you have to say, Chris? Yeah, but then, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, the whole premise of, uh, okay, the necessity of being ruled or having rulers. Uh, what what existed on the continent before the so-called settlers arrived? Uh, I mean, well, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, but you get accounts of, uh, oh, you know, you have the Native Americans occupying North America, and uh, you can read things about what what their oh uh, their social organization consisted of, and. I, I don't know. I mean, from what I can ascertain and read, it, it was um, indicative of what you you know you'll see through so-called primitive cultures and yeah. And then you know primitive cultures. I mean, what does that even mean? Because there's all kinds of different manifestations of that, right? So what does civilization yeah. mean, really? Right? Yeah. What does Our- civilization mean? But then you know the the yeah something I wanted to point out would be uh, yeah there was a sort of a hierarchy in place from what uh, you gather and what I gather and but the but the hierarchy consisted of people that were uh, closely associated with you in other words you knew who they were and you had uh, familiarity with them by being in contact with them you know directly so yeah that's that's something that uh, you depart from when you go into this thing called civilization you go into this anonymous uh, sort of uh, um, obscure uh, conceptual idea of a ruling class that, you know, we're in as opposed to something of, of more of a natural tribal order. It's it's more of a meritorious hierarchy. In other words, the reason why the, someone is considered a chief is because you know who they are and you know that they have the wisdom that you want to uh, defer to. In other words, you want advice from them. And then, from what I understand, there was no, even with that said, there was no obligation to be obedient to this ruler. That wasn't the concept. The, the concept was that it was more, that the elders or the, the chief was more of uh, to, to provide guidance and, and wisdom. And, uh, you, you, you know, there, it's obvious no, no enforcement mechanism to enforce his will upon you is something that like you obviously had to to uh, acquiesce to and volunteer or you know you could you know dethrone the chief or you know you could uh, go away to another uh, form another community or whatever you want to do but yeah the, the concept of a of a ruler from what I understand uh, it does, didn't didn't exist or it wasn't something that was a widespread practice among you know so-called primitive people and I don't think it is to the few remnants of so-called primitive societies that exist today. So, but then, you know, it's like, yeah, what, what are you talking about when you're talking about primitive society? I mean, I, I think 
like to invoke that doesn't necessarily mean like uh, squatting on the ground and living in caves and stuff like that. It's like it, it's something that you know uh, I, I, I appeal to natural social orders. I mean, social orders that that uh, sort of materialize naturally and not not this contrived uh, top-down system that uh, where you end up either working for somebody that's an absolute buffoon or you you you're ruled over by somebody who hasn't who doesn't know their left elbow from their a-hole and you know it's like which is very very common in this system you get the most mind-numb dumb robotic people that tell you what to do and tell you what you know you need to do this and do that and and it's like you you ask yourself it's like how the hell does this happen? How the hell does it, things end up where I got this absolute moron telling me what to do? But, you know, that, that's common. It's just common in the system. And it's like, uh, it's, it's arbitrary rule. It's not meritorious rule. So, uh, so. But see, I, I, I would bring yeah. up a couple things here to this. We talk about the, the spiritual overrides, the temporal. When we look at, especially the system that we live under, it's, it's basically a Romanized Roman system. Uh, a Catholic uh, universalist system, if you will. This whole idea of the... If you look at the Bible, it talks about in Revelations about the Church of Nicolaitan and that uh, uh, this division between the priestcraft and the laity. <clears throat> so when you talk about the pyramid, actually there's two pyramids that I see at least, maybe three or more, but at least two, where you have the pyramid for the laity and they conform to the priestcraft, and the priestcraft are the holders of the sacred knowledge, and really do, through their sorcery and their mind control and their manipulation process, control the rest of it. And nothing has changed. It's just the, the, the names of the institutions, for saying have changed. In other words, we live in a culture of society where scientism and the high priest of scientism are more relevant in our conscience and, and, and as far as the manipulation of our, our thoughts. But still saying that, if you look at the actual social structure, it's undeniable that Jesuits and that the, uh, the uh, high hierarchy structure of Christendom, whether it's the Protestant element or the Catholic element, but they're all going to one point. That is Rome and this whole ecumenical movement. So we cannot deny whether or not you and I are interested. In, you know, I'm the furthest interest from organized religion. The more and more I study, the more I realize it has nothing to do with the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has something to do with something completely different. And this is something that's been going on as part of this Babylonian system that's been around for thousands of years. And um, something that we can't just blow off and say it's not important when reality <laughs> when we look at war after war after war, we even look at the wars we're in right now, they really do mimic and really lead to the top of uh, Rome and its inquisitions and uh, these people killing other people for uh, whether it's Blackwater or X or Inc or whatever the heck it's called now, but it changes its name constantly and these Knights of Maltos and their willingness to mm-hmm. kill people for the name of uh, uh, the Vicar of God, their God, and this creation. And there really is a drive that, that whether we're interested or not, it affects us in our lives profoundly of creating the kingdom of God on earth. 
disturbing as it is, as childish as it is, as pathetic as it is, it really is that. And who is going to be the king, leaders of the kingdom of God? Well, it's going to be men who take the role of God, right? They're going well, to you know what's interesting is that the men of this world create these civil laws, right? Because it's all the people, the, this, this, the, the civil laws are by the municipalities ultimately. And those are the representative, uh, represented by the local people. Sorry about this. Uh, it's the old English talking. But, uh, yeah, ultimately... You're dealing with a an ecclesiastical influence, right? Absolutely. So that, makes have, it, that makes it canonical, this canonical wall, right, that yeah. we live under. Yeah. So, and, and and the judge all, looks I mean, like all, a high and priest. And those laws have this, these, these foundational principles based on the Bible. And, I mean, that's why I feel like the real trick, right, to comprehend well, the on, system and how to operate that, hold on, hold is... Hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Let me, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, no I'm not going to let you finish because what you just said is not true. The legal system and the political system and the world system we live on is not based on the Bible. It's a twisting of Scripture, and if you actually read it for what it actually <laughs> says, it's, it's the complete opposite, the complete opposite of what we're witnessing, complete opposite. This is the creation of man. So what do you – let me – okay, let me, let me finish my theory, and then you could debunk it. I think okay. that the uh, – the system is definitely rigged for, for to people that can use their intellect, and it's about sun worship. It's about the worship of your the light, like your your ability to think. And for those that can't do it, you see, they're not going to be able to hang with what's happening. And see, what is happening is that government, right, is established to be a, the terror to evildoers. Not only that, but it's also established separate from the actual municipalities. See, the lo- they re- municipalities are actually considered citizens under this system. They're, they're, even though they do state functions, they actually are not the state themselves. They represent the private people. See, so they they don't get the same rights as private people, though. Okay. Ultimately, what I guess I'm trying to say is that it's like if you think very well, then you can you can see how the use of a a claim. You know that says, "Hey, I'm on a judicial proceeding." You know, I you're, I'm immune from any type of personal jurisdiction. You know, especially for a non-injury crime. You know that kind of that kind of an argument would 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 be justifiable, especially in this system that is mostly backed up by these inferior courts, right? Who are practicing this ecclesiastical civil law stuff. You see what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. But a lot of it's just it's, it's illusion. It's, it's, it, it is. It's the sorcery of men, once again. And this whole idea, first, municipalities are supposed to represent the, the citizenship. That's what they tell us. But do they actually do that? Do they even ask? Seriously, they give you know, their token issue to vote every two years about this, that, or the other, or maybe a special election on it. Wow, in a year or something like that. But in truth, are they really voting or be involved in any of the important decisions of the day-to-day lives of their citizens, or the citizens that is being involved in it? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. The average person Absolutely. has no idea what's going on. They don't even know who... Let me uh, ask you a question. Yeah. When you think of municipalities, do you think of the local municipal court at the same time? Well, the first thing that I think of is a municipality or a corporate type of entity, right? 
that's governed over a municipal the corporation, uh, right? A canonical law, and is uh, yeah. Weird. So, what I mean, what's the point? What's your point? I mean, when's the last time you made any serious decisions about your local your local municipality? When's the last time you well, were what I've decided is that the local municipality is something that is definitely separate from the state, although it whatever its functions are become state actions. That's definitely something decipherable, you know? I guess if you want to say that, it's 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 it's, it's good in theory, it's good on paper, but in reality, in practicality, no, it's not. My city is uh, subservient to the, the county, and my county they live in is subservient to the state, and the state is subservient to the the federal government and the federal government subservient to its, you that's, know, that's shareholders. What I mean. it's, it's, those actions, basically, they're all state actions, right? And, and so ultimately, I don't know. I guess, I guess the idea is that it, it, it does come down to like being honest in their courts and and until you know having witnesses in their courts, you know. And if you look at the facts, you can see how they're using these religious principles as a form of private enforcement you see but but when it comes to the government side of it then there's not it's not there there's a separation between church and state uh you think so do you well actually which, because the which, which church is separated states, which yes. church is separated yes. from the state which church is separated which one is separated who said how do, how do you know that for a certainty that there's a separation of church to state and that there ever was one I'm right. What I'm talking about in general is, it's in, in theory, there is this separation of church and state. Okay, and we're going really to operating in is, theory. <laughs> we're operating yeah, in theory, but in, rea- but in reality, that's not the case. You know what? You kind of, you kind of got a good point there. Uh, I, I, I do have a rebuttal. It's just that I'm kind of preoccupied. But this, the church, the church and state idea is is simple, though. If you ask me, I mean, there's kind of a misconception there. I, I think that that has a lot to do with, if you think about how the biblical references to um, the body of Christ were as 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 some sort of, um, you know, church. You see, and and that that you you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, so so the people, church and state separation, kind of sounds a little weird if you think about it. You know, it's it's almost a it's almost an application of another ecclesiastical principle. Interesting. Interesting argument. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, whatever it is. I mean, if if you kind of buy into the concept of uh, government and their and their uh, authority, it's kind of like this idea, okay, uh, you're born in the United States, so you're subject to all the codes and laws and everything that uh, everybody else is subject to. And just by the fact that you're born in some p- particular uh, region of the of the world or uh, this particular geographical area, and then it's got these imaginary boundary lines that are that only exist on maps and in, in people's heads. And based on that, you know, if you if you if you reside or you take up a, a, a plot of land kind of within these so-called jurisdictions, then you are subject to to rule ruler the rulers that are in place over you in those geographical areas. Just kind of by default, you're you know you're subject to them. And uh, I I really would 
totally disagree with anybody that that would in, yeah. invoke any kind of voluntary relationship there. There is none. I mean, <laughs> right. Well, let me interject here because what you're, what I want to say is that in their system, if you're on your way to a judicial proceeding, you're immune from personal jurisdiction. So what you just said right there is in harmony with what I'm saying. And if you use that argument, you could basically, with your brain, see how the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus is Lord, right? And everyone, there's going to be some sort of judgment day someday. So technically, according to the Bible, everyone is on route to a judicial proceeding. So are you smart enough to decipher that it's all a game and see how, if you just make the claim that you're on route to a judicial proceeding known as judgment day, you could be possibly immune from this, this, this personal jurisdiction. Just knowing how to make the claim, I think, is the essential characteristic you know, for, for the action. Well, I have a suggestion. Why don't you apply that theory and see what happens and, take, and inform us what happens? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not being yeah. disrespectful. I mean, if it, it works great. The fact, well, I'll do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can watch. Uh, that you can watch what happens on uh, YouTube uh, with the sovereign citizens that uh, drive around with no tags and stuff. See what happens. I mean, they, you know, I, I've seen some where they're actually let off the hook and then allowed to go on their way, which is pretty startling. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, but. Then you got to ask yourself, okay, what happens next week when he gets pulled over again and meets up with a different, you know, quote unquote, law enforcement officer that's got a totally different set of ideas about what's going on there? So yeah, he goes to jail. So I, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, that's part two. So I mean, it, 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 you, he, well, he got pulled over. You know, they didn't just see that he didn't have a tag or that he had some kind of sovereign declaration posted on his vehicle, and then they. Uh, uh, left him un, unmolested, they they pulled him over. And then they just wasted his time and uh, put him through all these different, uh, oh, checking his papers, checking this, checking that. So, yeah, you, mm-hmm. he's definitely subject to the to the mm-hmm. uh, road pirates, you know what I mean? And it's his will, right, that he's saying that he's operating under, not God's will. So he's saying he's sovereign. So he's actually neglecting the biblical principle of God being the only sovereign, you see? And therefore, well, these people on. that are in power... Before you say that, it's, it's an erroneous argument that you say, because first of all, if, uh, Jesus Christ said that his kingdom is not of this world. Secondly, when you look at his, 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 what he says, you know, he gives the fine example. He says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar, give unto God what is God. And you know what? This, king, this world is not of, of God. He's, it's not his jurisdiction. In fact, if you read the Bible, the prince of this world is Satan. It's his jurisdiction. So if you want to play in Satan's game, you go right ahead. But I think a better example of how to live in this world would be Daniel himself and how he lived under the Babylonian captivity, because that's what you and I are under, a version of the Babylonian captivity. And you know what? I think you'd be better off not fighting it, but just going along with it and putting all your faith in him and in the life to come. That's my opinion. I have never seen anyone be successful ever in the history of mankind to defeat the system that we're under. Even the illusion, and it is an illusion that 200 years ago with the quote-unquote creation of the corporation of the United States of America, it was an illusion. There was no true separation from, from England, from Britain. There was no true independence. It was just a necessity of giving that illusion in order to 
colonize and conquer North America. And once well, that was done, and everything's been going, is, is winding white right back to the way it was, you know. So, um, I, I, if you want, if you think, you know, I have never seen anybody defeat the system. I've only seen people turn themselves into fugitives. That's it. You turn okay. yourself into fugitive by fighting the whole thing. That's interesting. It. Interesting, because I don't really see myself as trying to defeat a system yet. But what what I'm trying to do is improve it, you see, because it's, it's a system that we as human beings have created as a whole. I can't separate myself, my identity to be so limited as to say that it's me and I'm going to do this and that without connecting the other parts, you know, other people. Then I, I, I do an injustice there, you see, to everyone. So, yeah, Do you yeah. think that Michael helped create Mormonism by being born into it? So he he's he's one of the founding fathers of Mormonism, just just by the fact that he was born born into a Mormon household. No, I mean it's no you, you just got to saying that everybody creates the government as collectively as a whole. Like we we all create we're all creating it. No, well actually I I, I know I know the interesting thing is is that there is a mirror. There's a government that's been in other words. There's this thing called the state, right? It's made up of the people, right? It's all these separate people that register as voters, and there's this, it's the body politic. But see, what's interesting is the true government is that of the kingdom of God. Not in this world. So, not, in, not in this world. No, it's not. That's a, that's well, actually, you're not, you're, you're not going to convince a road pirate of that. He's going to... I hear you, but the Bible foretells that this that of, of a thousand years of peace on this planet, and there has the only way that's possible. <laughs> Millennialism, is for, yes, of course, that you'll find from British Israelism and from um, uh, mm-hmm. from Catholicism, straight from Rome and this whole dream. And that guess what that really means? That means that they will mm-hmm. be ruling for a thousand years. And Thank actually, you. the truth of the matter Thank is. You. It's not the case, you know. You know, no, it's not the case. There's the whole idea that there's going to be a thousand years of wonderful peace under the system that we're under is a delusional concept, and it's not okay. All right, if you say so. All I know is, if if it's a construct, then it's highly likely that it might work because it's manufactured. There's no example that it would ever work. Even the Old Testaments, when they talk about the quote-unquote Israelites, and they're, even when they tried to live the God's laws, and they couldn't do it. There's right. no such thing. There's never been a Christian right. or godly government on this planet. If it's going to be a thousand years of peace, it's going to be brought on by human beings. I promise you that. Yeah, I imagine so, but that's really delusional because that's not our nature. There's nothing to, to even there's no, you know what there's not even a day that we've ever had a peace let alone to think that there's even going to be a year or a thousand years under our domain it's it's foolishness I mean if you want to believe it go ahead but then you're part of the kingdom of God on earth and you know what that means you're believing in Satan's realm because this is his realm well I mean ultimately if I don't really necessarily believe that that's the truth, but I will play right. a part as long as, as long as I realize that I can help my fellow man and, and get by in life as well. You, know? you see, the thing about it is other people can still be helped. How did God tell us how to help our, our brothers? How, do, how did he say how to love our neighbor? 
Take care of the widow. Feed the poor. Like you would love yourself, basically. It has nothing to do about the legal system. Nothing. The legal system is corrupt to its core. It's always been that way. It's there to suppress the masses, you and I. It's right. not there to free you. Right. And the only thing you can possibly do is playing it. You probably have to end up becoming a Freemason and having some pretty wicked okay. connections. Yeah. And then maybe, you know what, you can benefit from it. But for the rest of us, we're not going to benefit from it, and we're never going to benefit from it, no matter what you do or a group of people do. It's only a delusion. You see, this is the generational thing that's happened over and over again. You think we're the first to ever think this stuff up? Absolutely not. You think you're the first to think it up? No. This has been going on for thousands of years. I would give up on the whole idea to think that you're going to change this world. You know what? Whoa. Hold on. What made you think I was was going to do that? (laughs) Well, isn't that what you said? Isn't that what you want, to change the world? Heck no, I never said that. (laughs) If anything, I just want to inspire it. But, I mean, to change it, I can't do that. It's not up to me to change anything. (laughs) Sure, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a waste of time. It's delusional. It's delusional. So it's inspiring. Do something inspiring, man. (laughs) I'm going to try. Yeah, everyone should do something inspiring. It inspires other people to be more independent in their thinking to be more self-sufficient, to be more connected with our true and living God, to realize that there is a creator. You know, these sort of things would actually be much more beneficial than to try to convince people that the political system, the the, uh, judicial system, uh, is in any way going to change. It's not going to change, and it will never change. Can I ask you, you, you said earlier in the call that you think that the judicial branch is probably the strongest branch of government. But I've I've heard that it's actually the weakest branch of government because of the fact that it really doesn't. I mean, if if a new statute comes out, a a common law case law decision will get trumped by a statute, you see, by a congressional statute. So therefore, in a sense, Congress can come out with statutes that actually trump Supreme Court decisions, based on you know maybe possibly. Sign of the times, or something like that. You know, times change. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's uh, their can, system, can, right? Can, can, can you can, can you give me a, a fruitful, useful example of it? Or is it once again theory of times changing? No, about the Congress overriding some judicial uh, decision. From the Supreme Court. Right. Basically, okay. So, so for example, let's say the Supreme Court came up with some, you know, like like no, 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 case no, law. No theoretical uh, argument. Just give me one fruitful, useful example that it actually happened. You're not going to be able to do it. Well, no, I'm just telling you that the, the way the system works is, okay, this is how it works, okay? Congress comes up with bills, statutes, public law all the time. They, new statutes come about all the time. That's how it works. And so, if it, you, let's say you get a judicial precedent out of out of one of one of the courts of the state, right? There's a Supreme Court ruling, but yet there's a congressional rule. You see what I'm saying? Or or a statute that may actually trump that. So the common law might not actually win out in a in a in a venue that is authorized by statute. The common law right. meaning case law. Yeah, case law that's been around for what since nineteen since nineteen sixties. 
I'm just. I think this Mulan is a very manipulative hit, hit system everybody to <laughs> everything that's going on in the system. God, the Bible actually says that God will write the command, His commandments in the hearts, right? Of of I don't know of the of His followers or whatever. I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but point I'm trying to make is there's really not anything to really worry about. I mean, you you call the system a fraud, and, and I'm sure sure it's all fake. It's all a game. Great, fantastic. Then we know we can take our time and have fun with it. I mean, there's no need, there's no need to get all serious about it and get all panicky and act like it's a tragedy, right? Can't we just say, okay, look, we're intellectuals. Let's just let's just realize what's happening. We realize how people are being, you know, played, and and turn the tide, turn the tide in a positive direction and like kind of steer humanity. I mean, we kind of have a duty if you think about it because of this this aspect of our characteristic that is a, a, like a free will, right? It, it seems to be free will, but it might not be. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, thinking these out and being uh, motivated and wanting to obviously change things. Um, but um, I'm not putting my faith in there. In fact, if I would say anything, I would put your faith in destroying this false idol that you have called government in the judicial system that you believe in still. I would tear that down, that false idol, so that you will I, I be just, free. <laughs> be, be more right. free and be more at joy and be more peace. And although, yeah, I've mentioned the beginning of the show that I'm very disturbed by the fact, and it should be, and any rational human being should be disturbed about the fact of how deceptive and light-filled the world is. And I, I think that's you know, what you're saying. I do, I do. I'm really with you on what you're saying. Honestly, if I could, and I would just, I would want to get, basically just get rid of the system. I want everyone to live in peace, though. I don't want to be attacked, okay? I, I would love everyone to just live in peace, and we don't need this system. Everyone just uphold yourself on a moral high ground without needing a god. You know what I mean? Just, just, just treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean, it's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, but and unfortunately, and we don't live in that world. Well, it's interesting. I'm thinking about it, as you just brought that out. I think about myself, okay, in my own life and my own interactions, and how I pretty much have pretty much just mind my own business and did my own thing. I've never been interested in changing my neighbor or changing anybody else. And quite frankly, if you really think about it, the majority of us do live at peace most of the time. It's only when somebody's twisted out of their minds. Generally speaking, you'll find psychopaths, wicked men in high places, running governments and political systems, and you cannot expect that that can be the same case. Only we can do the. In other words, we cannot expect the the rulers of this world to rule justly all the time or rightly. They can't. They don't even have the capacity to do it. The wicked men to get there in the first place, and women. So what do we do? We love our neighbor. How do we love our neighbor? We respect them. We keep our distance. Uh, we don't obsess about you know the things that we disagree with about them, whether their lifestyle and etc. We're not here to change the world. We might try. Might do it. And if you want to change it at all, just try to make it a better place. But understand. Uh, if your motive is ego-driven and it's all about, hey, I'm going to change the world and make my neighbor happy today, well, there's a good chance that she won't. She, she or he or whatever might reject your good 
hmm. deed. You know what I mean? But what well, do you do about that? Right. You, do what? you don't do anything about it. You just say, well, I'm doing something nice here. Mm-hmm. We're out of, out of no reward except because it's just the right thing to do. Well, the G- Jesus in the Bible, I think I remember something. He said, uh, uh, I, I didn't come to change the law, but to fulfill it. Yeah. And I think that applies to he the also scenarios. Did, he also said he, he didn't come into this world to bring peace, but to bring a sword and divide son from father and uh, mother-in-law from daughter-in-law and et cetera, et cetera. And he's right about that. If you follow him, you're going to have a bit of a lonely journey. But that's okay. You because said just can. now that if you see Jesus came to divide father from son, that's what it says in the Bible. That's what he said. Because he's looking for people to follow him. Uh, look it up. Just look up. It says type in uh, uh, dividing uh, son from uh, father from son, mother-in-law from daughter-in-law. You'll find it. I can't remember off. All right, I'll look it up. Uh, but it's yeah. That's that the gospel is not. A, you know, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never offered unity and peace in this world. He's looking for people that really believe in him. Who really well, believes you, God? You believe it's you fact, gotta, though. You believe all that is fact. Like there's a fact that there's a. Listen, man. You believe there's heaven somewhere outside of this place. Seriously. I have. I, don't. Abs- I'm I saying have, it's a game. I I have faith and I have hope. That now, if you would have asked me a year ago, what? two years ago, I would not have believed in it. <laughs> but after all my time, and this is the difference that I had. Here's the difference. This is not an intellectual. Right. This is not an intellectual endeavor. What I decided to do, I fell on my face in tears and crying because I knew how bad the world is, and I asked for faith, abiding faith. I wanted to know if it was true. And you know what? My heart did change from stone to flesh, and I do believe in it now. Can I prove it to you? No, I can't prove it to you. I can't prove to you what's on the other side of the moon for that matter. And neither can you prove it to me. So what do you want? You want proof? I tell you what to do if you want proof. Search for it yourself. Fall on your face sincerely and ask sincerely and have enough patience until that answer comes. Is it satisfactory? I don't expect it to be. I don't. Well, I, I, let me tell you I really this. I, in closing, I want to thank you for your time. And you know what? I will think about what you have just said. And, uh, and, and uh, I really do appreciate you giving me this opportunity to speak if you... So I'm going to go ahead and close out my end and here, and uh, and you can, can proceed with your call. Okay, thank you. Uh, one life thank you. It's Donaldson. Thank you. Bye-bye, sir. All right, you take care. Mm-hmm. Thank I'll you for be listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, the, for that as well, Chris. I don't really have any comments. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, uh, I, you know, there's all kinds of ideas, right, about what, you know, the, you know, this thing called government, or yeah, everybody has a different idea. You know, it's kind of a. I I don't know. I, I look at it as a. Uh, it's something like a. Uh, you know, if you have a, have a brain, I guess that's sort of analogous in a lot of ways to a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it is. Uh, you know, that 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 pretty much. I don't think that pretty much defines. I don't think humans are robots or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that, but, uh, yeah, we do have a, uh, a computer, you know, a brain is, is the type of a computer, you know, it's, uh, yes, it's, uh, yeah, in, in a lot of respects. And, uh, I think what, like 
what uh, government is, you know, and I think that uh, is a good breakdown of the word govern is, you know, control and the mind and meant to the mind, the mental, the, yeah, it's in my control, and it's 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 like a it's a piece of software that gets in in installed onto your hard drive, you know, from when you're when you're formulating your opinions of, of the world and everything. It's something that gets uh, uh, installed, you know, just like a you know, piece of software gets installed on your on your PC at home, and you know, you you there's different types of uh, software that uh, there, there's these uh, uh, pieces of code that are interestingly enough called uh, daemons, you know, and that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, and they run on your computer and they perform different functions on your computer and uh, you won't even know that they're there. They just sort of run in the background and they get, uh, they get initiated when you Start up and boot up your computer. There's the the prom or the or the, the memory chip that has the uh, the boot system that initiates the whole operating system and all that. And there's the daemons that run, and uh, you don't perceive that they're there, but they're there. And uh, it's like the government is a daemon that runs, and it's a uh, it, it, it's a uh, yeah it's it's software that controls your actions that keeps you within a uh, a certain mindset and uh delivers yeah and it, and it runs on your computer uh it, it you know but being human beings you can you can override whatever software is on your hard drive uh, by by your uh will to want to you know use your innate and I believe it's innate it's an innate within human beings to to use reason and logic and uh uh what what used to be referred to as common sense or uh horse sense or whatever you want to call it uh what has happened is that you know we we live in this uh construct called civilization and even if you look up the word definition definition of civilization it states that it is, uh, you know, one one characteristic of civilization is the domestication of humans and animals. So it's the, the domestication of humans and part of the domestication process is to install certain software onto your operating your within your operating system that runs and you take it for granted. It's like the daemon that just initiates when you wake up in the morning. And you 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 don't even realize it's there. You don't even realizing that you're. Uh, operating under it but uh yeah it, it controls and dictates the the masses and they don't even question the they don't even question that piece of software because they don't even re- aware of its existence and, and that it's running and that they're operating under it and it's controlling many 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 of their decision daily decisions and functions and uh that's i think that's a, a, the best way to understand it cuz government doesn't exist outside of an individual's mind it's just it's a concept and it's only a concept it's like a you know but somebody might say oh it manifests itself into physical reality in the form of government buildings and uh you know checks that come in the mail or or uh you know whatever it happens to be and then you'll see the telltale official stamps and stuff on you know money and all that and that that makes it real it's in the real world right well yeah, in the same way that uh, 
let's say, like uh, like Donaldson was talking about before, is you know you, you you know the system exists and you know it is what it is, and you know basically essentially saying okay, it's a, a more or less maybe a necessary evil. I don't know exactly what he's perspective that he's coming from, but I mean it, what I would ask him is like okay, what if uh, well, let's say the Catholic Church, for instance, was to set up a diocese in his geographical area. And then it declares, okay, well, you live in this uh, several block uh, region of this particular city, and now you are under the archdiocese of, uh, I don't know, East Chicago or whatever. And uh, you're under now our jurisdiction. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you're a Catholic now. So uh, welcome to the fold, uh, brother. And... Uh, so, I mean, Donaldson would have to just say, well, yeah, I guess so, I'm a Catholic now, and start going to Mass and start taking the communion and uh, uh, just acquiesce because it was declared to be so, you know, by the archdiocese, and it's legit now. It's like, uh, well, why is it legit? Well, because I'm, I'm in the diocese, right? I'm in this particular... That's how... That's how uh, the police and the government and the judges and everything operate in 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 uh, as far as uh, your other governments go, right? Because because that's what they're when they pull you over on the side of the road because you know you're not wearing a seatbelt or whatever that they deem is uh, you know uh, unlawful or however they want to define it. Um, they're operating under the assumption that okay, I have the right to do this because. He is operating a vehicle within the boundaries of, you know, my quote-unquote jurisdiction, this imaginary boundary line that's, you know, set up, uh, you know, and then by your presence there is proof that uh, he has a right to, you know, demand, make all these demands of you. Like, okay, you're going to, here, here's this piece of paper, I'm going to hand it to you. Uh, you have to sign this. This is to your, and you must sign this. And this is your agreement to appear at this certain place at this certain time called a court. And then you're going to go see the guy in the black mumu, and he's going to tell you what to do, and he's going to um, issue whatever penalty that he seems fit to issue to you, and you must pay it. And uh, yeah, and if you don't, so you know, how many how many people would take? that man seriously uh if he didn't have a gun if he didn't have a taser if he didn't have a posse and there wasn't the implied threat let's just say he's just approaching you out of the blue and there is no uh there is no uh uh violence either implied or inferred or anything whatsoever how many people would actually take that person seriously and do what they tell them like if you say okay well what if i don't and then the answer is nothing because I can't do anything. I can't put you in jail. I can't shoot you. I can't do anything to you. How many people would show up in court if there wasn't the threat of violence that was going to be carried out if you don't comply? I don't, I don't think that many people would just voluntarily show up, waste their time, listen to somebody that don't even, that's not even speaking English, that's speaking in some coded language of some, some dead outmoded language called Latin and all this other uh, ridiculous nonsense, if there wasn't the, the, the threat of bodily harm that is always present. And, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's like, you know, uh, 
we talked about this before with the mafia. You know, it's like okay, so the mafia entered in the discussion. So you can you can uh, uh, oh you can talk about how the mafia, you know, in in like say a city like New York City, and then they go and they go around to business owners and they say, okay, you know, you need to pay us our uh, protection fee. You know, it's like well, you pay them the protection. It's like a tax. You know, it's like okay. What does it do? Well, it protects you from them, right? Government's the same thing. It's like you, you pay them tax to keep them from messing you up, the shutting down your business, uh, forcing you into a cage, and doing all kinds of other bad things to you. It's, it's, it works on the same principle. It's like uh, here are some individuals telling you you need to do this, this, and that, and... Uh, the 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 implied threat is always present and and that's why you comply otherwise uh there's no reason why you or I couldn't just walk in off the street go into a business and say hey man uh can, can I get a 20 uh what do you mean it's like yeah i just you know get in get it open the register and just go ahead and give me a 20 dollar bill uh, who are you and why are you asking me for money? It's like that that's how they respond to you. But if you show up and you're a cop and and you hand the business owner a piece of paper and say you're in violation of code and then they could start some kind of procedure and you end up paying money, but the end result is the same. But the difference is the cop has a gun and he has a cage and he has this uh, software program running inside his brain that he's operating off of that gives him this uh, perception that he is represents an authority and has the right to do something that no other individual has the right to do. Otherwise they would be branded as a criminal, but since they represent government quote unquote, that they can do these things and then they do it under the pretense that they're enforcing the will of the people. So, then the question arises like, so how did you get delegated? Uh, 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 and how, how did the people delegate uh, a right to you that they themselves do not have? So that doesn't make any sense, right? It's like, okay, I can't uh, exact payment from people under threat of force, either implied or, you know, if I even go as far as to like, point a gun in their face like that's unacceptable from any 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 reasonable person's standard but somehow like i even though i don't have that right myself i somehow can magically give that over to the the quote-unquote state and they do that on my behalf so the whole thing is just totally illogical and ridiculous when you break it down like that which that's what the government is. You know, it's like, okay, they're forcing you to pay them money. They're forcing you to obey their orders. It's, it's all under threat and duress and coercion and, and the, the implied or directively active use of force and violence. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, there's no other way to put it. You know, if you want to say what, what, what it actually is in reality, I mean, I think that's uh, 
an important thing to remember. And it's like, okay, if you want to say that that's legitimate, okay, and you accept that that's legitimate, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay if they conduct themselves in that manner because they're quote unquote government. So, what is your opposition to the mafia? Because they're quote unquote the mafia, right? So, what what is what is the real tangible difference? It's like, okay, they're not authorized. Well, obviously they are authorized when they carry it out and it works and they get money and they get paid and, and, and the, the business stays safe for the time being. It's like they're, they're operating as a de facto government. I mean, they're performing the same functions. They're doing the same, they're extending the same service. They're doing the same thing. What's the difference? Like, well, one is government and the other is not. It's like, okay, so how do you, how, okay, what are you really talking about? Government, government what? I mean, it's like, uh, like who, who, who is it? And, and another real, uh, I think it's amusing. People don't find it amusing. I, from a certain perspective, I think it's amusing. I don't think it's really that amusing as far as, like, people impersonating police. And it's kind of a trend now. It's like, okay, they, they, they put on the trappings of authority and, you know, up, up and uh, go as far as putting the flashing lights on their vehicle, and then they'll they, you can go purchase uh, decommissioned cop cars at auctions, and you can you know uh, put your own lights in them. And there's no, not necessarily any law against it. I mean, if you make it too obvious, I, I guess they they you they, you can get a impersonating police officer uh, 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 charge against you or whatever. But yeah, these people are doing it all over the country, and it's like, oh, they're, it's called impersonating police officer, and it's, 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 it's pretty crazy, but they, they pull you over and start demanding stuff from you, and it's like people acquiesce. It's like, why? Well, they're the government, right? No, 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 they're not government. They're impersonators. It's like, okay, how do you know the difference? Well, one is authorized and one is not. Well, what are you talking about authorized? I mean, they're doing the exact same thing. They're pulling you over and demanding stuff from you. And uh, you comply because you're conditioned to comply. You have the software on your head that tells you to comply and that you should comply. And it's like, well, if if I don't do what they say, they'll hurt me or shoot me. It's like, yeah, it's just like the government does. I mean, okay, what is the real difference? There is no real difference. So that's that's the that's the funny thing about it. And what's really funny is like when you when when it this is being talked about in the news media. This is absolutely hilarious. I think. It's that they'll, they'll, okay, oh, we have this problem. People are impersonating police officers. very bad. Uh, so we're going to try to help the citizen reduce. Is Okay, how do you identify a, a real police officer from the from the fake police officer? And then they go into, like, I've actually heard this as, as, a, as a method for making the, the distinction. It's like, oh, well, uh, you know, a, a police officer will be clean-shaven, and uh, they'll have the blue and red flashing lights on their vehicle, and like, and I'm thinking, okay, so yeah, it's like near impossible to come up with blue and flashing red lights and that really close cop shave. I mean, that's just right, right. It's impractical for. It's like, oh, really? I mean, that's that's your criteria. Okay, so if it, they got the really close shave, that's a real cop. And if they don't, it's not. And yeah, it's, it's, it's humorous because because you cause it just goes to show that's like okay, you're trying to make a definition on something that has no bearing on reality. 
because once somebody takes upon the trappings of authority, they are de facto authority. And because of the way, not because of, you know, they have a, a specific designation or a piece of paper, it's because the way people perceive their particular getup. I have all the trappings of authority. People defer to me and treat me as if I'm an authority. And that is the way it works. And it works. That's why people are doing it all over the place. They get some kind of weird kick out of it. But are, are they are they real cops? It's like, well, I mean, so how do you define it? How do you really define it? They, they can make people obey their orders just by their mere presence and the way they appear. Well, that's exactly what a cop is. Right? Absolutely. I mean, when I think about power, and it, uh, it was Gordon Comstock talked about that definition. I can't remember if that was uh, 1984 or whatever it was, but, or Brand New Oral, but it was 1984. I can't remember. But uh, power is the ability to inflict pain on somebody. That's true power. Yeah, yeah in the world, really. in the world, that's really what it all comes down to. And of course, they have this very convenient trapping of all this, um, you know, the uniform, the paperwork, the, the buildings, the cars, etc., to make it look just legit and justified. But in reality, that's what it is. A power is the ability to subject someone else to pain and death and suffering. And that's what a government is able to do. Now, it doesn't do that because you comply to it, just like a gangster. And then you think about it, well, the the mind conditioning, the mind control through television and all the movies that we always saw about gangsters and how they were the unethical guys, very unethical and their behavior and all that. And and the good guys are the government. But irony of ironies, when you really look into it, the mafia probably has more of a more ethical, it's more ethical than the government itself, and you know it has standards and morals that it expects out of its, uh, you know, the members of the the gang, the, the mafia, and if you don't, you know, if you don't behave, yeah, um, they will uh, put a bolt between your head. Whereas in this government, you know, most governments, if if you don't behave well, we'll just transfer you or we'll slap you with fine or something like that, but you're still part of the gang. In other words, it's uh, it's just it's pathetic is what it really is, and it's really our priority. But it's the way it's always been. And so, as you know, the reason, reason why they have the ability to do what's so obviously wrong is a lifetime of indoctrinating you into the justification of their existence. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's uh yeah that's what i'm what I'm getting at it's like you have to you have to have an indoctrinated population in order for them to respond correctly to the trappings of authority that's you know are are just these set of associations that have been been built up surrounding a certain configuration of dress a certain configuration of manner, and then they speak it's it's interesting how listen to how cops speak. Like they all speak the same. It's it's sort of this stilted kind of uh, uh, artificial tone of voice that they employ, and it's it's sort of like if, uh, I'm sure it's uh, part of their training. They're trained how to speak, and yeah, it, and they and they use words that aren't aren't in common usage, and that and I think that uh, has the effect of um, uh, conveying a, 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 a sense of perceived authority too. But see, these are all just 
tricks and tactics and uh, and perception management and uh, you know like the cop impersonator. You like if they can mimic that and they get all the and they get all the uh, trappings, you know, and they it's, it's not that hard to obtain them. I mean, it's like you, everything's for sale. It's a it's a commodified world. You could buy uh, police power, and you can exercise it until you eventually uh, run into the bigger gang that uh, you know enforces their will upon you uh, and and stops you from you know being a good cop. Maybe you're maybe you're not such a bad cop. Maybe you're out there with the best of intentions and you always wanted to be a cop but didn't get accepted to the academy and and you're just going out what you perceive in your mind to be doing good deeds, you are no different than the cop that's on the government payroll. No different. No different at all. I mean, uh, if you want to uh, insist there's a difference, then you must believe that the so-called quote-unquote real cop has some kind of magical infusion you know, that they, they, they get when they go through the quote-unquote real academy and all that. Because yeah, there really is no real tangible difference. It's none at all. You know, it's it's just it's just a matter of uh, how people perceive what they're being presented with. You know, it's like uh, let's say you uh, you have a particular route to work, right? And you know, from time to time, you get pulled over and issued a citation. And you get this ticket, and you pay it, and you send it out, and you don't really pay attention to the address it's going to, and you you, you never notice that well, this guy is a cop impersonator, and he's been pulling me over and issuing me tickets from time to time, and he's been pulling other people over time, and he's and 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 I never knew he was a cop impersonator until it came on the news that oh we got this guy impersonating cop, but. You know, let's say he was operating and doing that for you know four or five years. So uh, people treated him as he was a, as if he was a cop and paid the money as if it was a real court and went through all the motions as if it, they were responding to a, a legitimate government government authority. And they were none the wiser. And if people don't find out that uh, it wasn't a real cop quote-unquote, then what would be the tangible difference? There would be no difference as far as actual tangible empirical reality goes, right? No, only on the psychological level, which was fascinating bringing that up because you would think about it. Once the public found out that the guy was faking that he was a cop for five years, he would want to have him hung. Then their whole attitude changes, right? Right, it wishes the irony of ironies because he's behaving no different than the quote-unquote cop that's supposedly legal, you know, the justifiable cop, right? <laughs> right. And but, what other, <laughs> yeah, what other scenario can you? Let's say uh, an ice cream man impersonator. Well, he's not a legitimate ice cream man. He's not licensed by the state, and he insists on driving around an ice cream truck and selling ice cream cones to children. And there's nothing wrong with the ice cream cones or just the same ice cream cones as the quote-unquote legitimate licensed ice cream truck driver. And, oh, well, it turns out, it comes on on the evening news that here we have this ice cream man impersonator and we busted him and he's, he's 
selling ice creams to kids without a license. How many, how many people would be outraged by that? Probably, eh, okay, whatever. Now I didn't have a license and a big whoop. Do kids get their ice cream? Yeah, they got their ice cream. Did it taste good? Yeah, it tasted good. Was it refreshing on a hot summer day? Oh, yeah. Was he an ice cream man? Nope. Not according to the law. Well, did the cop write you a ticket? Yeah. Did you pay the ticket? Yeah. Did you derive the benefit from it? Yeah, I, I got the opportunity to give money to what I perceived to be an authority. Uh, was everything good in your mind? Yeah, I, I did my civil duty, and I and I and I paid paid my seatbelt ticket like I'm supposed to. Do you, you feel like a good citizen? Yeah. Do you want a pat on the head? Yes, sir. Please. Uh, did you know that was a fake cop? You, you kidding me? That was a fake cop. I can't believe it. Like, well, no. What's the difference, man? <laughs> What's the difference? Why are you outraged now, and you weren't, and you were fine with it before? Isn't that interesting? I mean, to do that, my, those mind experiments like that is like <laughs> the, the, the I, absurdity I, of our situation. Sure. No, it's absolutely ridiculous, but. It's just, you know, we, we accept it and take it for granted because it's just so, such a part of the, you know, furniture of civilization that it's like, it's just, yeah, it's just you know, it's what you do. But it's like, yeah, that's why it's like, I don't know. I, I find the cop impersonators pretty fascinating. Like, the, the, the whole concept, you know what I mean? It, it really, it, it helps to, like, dissolve the illusion. It really does. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, to sidetrack a little bit here, but, uh, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to be a police officer. My father, my, my uncle was a sergeant of arms in Toledo. That's the guy that drives the mayor around and all that. A couple of cousins are um, police officers. Of course, they're all Freemasons, too. And they, my uncle said, well, hey, I can get you a job as a police officer. Why don't you go down to the... Uh, uh, what do they call that? The training session. I can't remember what it's called right now. Anyways, where you go, it's like a five-day thing. You go, orientation, that's what it is. You take all these tests and blah, blah, blah. And I was there the first day and the first two hours, and they played a video of these two guys in their blue uniforms and their funny little octagon hat and, and busting into somebody's uh, apartments and backing each other and, you know, look, the police, the police, open up. And, all that. and I'm like, I just walked out right in the middle of it. I said, I can't do this. This is not me. I can't do this. I yeah, cannot I cannot picture myself busting in somebody's door for any reason. I mean, I really, I mean, I guess if there was really, really an evil situation going on and there was a penalty yeah, ring or, you know, the guys were raping kids or they were killing people and all or that. Or they had, like, dried plant material or something like that. Yeah, I could see <laughs> smashing their skull and killing yeah. their dog. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, you know. So, but anyway, so. but the good good cops do that, right? Good, that's your good cops. Like they'll bust some, kick somebody's door in, go under their house, shoot their pets. You know, I I, I even heard of that. I think they kill cats too. Kill your cat. So, but we're conditioned and, to because uh, uh, you got pot. Yeah, we're conditioned to be obedient to the authority who have their diplomas and their degrees whether it's the police or the doctor, the lawyer, uh, the judge, the uh, your pastor, your priest, who went to the seminary and know how to uh, twist scriptures around and baffle you. Um, 
And so it, it's, it's only natural. Once you get to that point, I mean, it's real easy for everyone to be manipulated. In fact, it, it, the degrees of, of, of manipulation, I mean, most people are like, that's that way with the plumbers and with that with electricians and or that way with uh, the guy who sells you water uh, purifiers. Not to say there's anything wrong with it, but you know what I'm saying. It's because of the expertise and, you know, at least some of them, at least is justifiable. They actually can fix your toilet and they can fix your uh, uh, electrical problem and they can, you know, treat some of your disease and your ailment. But really, when I look at the police, past 15 years, I think the last time I really had any kind of interaction was a speeding ticket. That was the last time I had ever had anything. So uh, now uh, 15 years later and um, I don't know what they've actually done for me at all, period. I really don't. I don't. But that's, you know, that's the key to all this is right, is, is hanging low, uh, staying off the radar, and not getting involved with them. And it would be all yeah. right. I mean, I mean, this, I mean yeah. this whole idea of this like confronting the police officer, and I've seen guys literally curse out and call an officer every name out of their son and expect nothing to happen to him. Which is insane. Regardless if he's a quote-unquote police officer or not, he's still a corruptible man or woman, just as we are. And a good, a good chance that if somebody got in front of your grill, Chris, and started calling you names, or you know, you might fight back a little bit or threaten them a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, you have to yeah. defend yourself. So, uh, I guess my point in all this is that there's this. I'm not saying that police are justified at all. I'm not. At all, I don't see the need for the degree of the militarization of the police force, and, uh, or with the, the need for the police force 150 years ago in this country. Um, yeah, there's gangs and there's violence, and you find out that it's just one gang against another gang, and it's just an empty promise, and that we will protect you from the other gang. But you know what? We're going to have to tax you 60 percent, and uh, you're going to have to be, pay, you know. Complacent and living your uh, your your open air pen, if you will. Your uh, you know, I was talking to the guy, my friend, uh, who's been on the show. Actually, I interviewed him. You know, the uh, Eric was in prison for five years. You mentioned earlier in the show. Uh-huh. And I asked him, said, you know, since you've been back, what do you do? You feel excited? You feel different? What is your observations? And he brought, you know, when I, I was no uh, uh, moment of jubilation and joy, hey, I'm free now, it's just, and, you know, I, you know, he's working, he's got a place, and a car, and all that, he's doing everything I listen to doing, he said, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, I was in a cell with a couple of guys, and I'm in a bigger cell now, and that's the reality of our situation, a little more freer, a little more, um, greater opportunities, but in reality, we still are in a prison, <laughs> that's the way it is. And uh, so, well, you know, so what? You know, what can you do about it? Well, I think it's really important to recognize your reality. Once you realize that you have been lied to about uh, some of the, well, they said, uh, they, all these theories or scientific theories that they pretty much bombard you and doctrinate you as fact, and then you realize what your real situation is and that you really are a prisoner in this situation. You're not really that free. Um, then you can actually start to uh, truly, I think, address your issues, find some mental health. 
I mean, I today am much more at peace with my situation than I was, say, five years ago. When I was so eager trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know what I mean? And the MS and everything going on and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And now I'm just like, you know, I'm at peace with the whole thing. I think part of that is my big part of that is faith in God and a creator, to, you know, and the God of the Bible. And, uh, and then it's just confronting my reality, really facing it for what it really is, regardless of what everybody else is going to think about me. Uh, and what I've discovered since I pursue, my pursuit for the way, the truth, and life, that a lot of people don't like me even more. So, but you know, actually, really, the issue is um, the the truth comes out. They never would probably like me in the first place. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whether it's in the internet or in real life, and the, the, the truth just comes out within themselves, and they say, well, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. And so, in a way, you'd free yourself. Just, uh, this group is very, the group dynamics is so critical, it's crippling for clearly thinking in the world. And you just said to religion itself, and it's a Mormon, and this whole thing, you're bombarded every week that Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God, or that the Pope is the vicar of Christ, or that Obama is the president of the free world, you know what I mean, these constant lies and deceptions, and I really think you need to, one step at a time, you've got to have that desire to really know the truth and break, what it does really does break your way, the truth really does set you free, but it's not, they don't tell you how it sets you free though, do they? You know, the most people are under the illusion it's going to set you free and you're going to be able to run away from Babylon and the Roman Empire. You're going to, you know, be your own sovereign individual on earth. But the truth is the freedom is, is a spiritual and an intellectual and a mental one. You know, the, what you understand today, Chris, compared to 10 years ago, I'm sure is drastically different just because you're willing and maybe you've always been an inquisitive guy. I, 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 I'm an impression that's just who you are. But regardless, I know lots of people that ask a lot of questions, are very inquisitive, and end up, you know, being astrophysics, you know, physics professors, and, and uh, running the Apollo program. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, really, I think by facing your reality, being willing to pay the consequences of what that means, you know, it is really liberating, and it is self and. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a lonely, uh, truth is a lonely warrior, as the old saying goes. But, you know, you're lonely already. You already were lonely. Other people around you, the truth of the matter is once you started uh, interacting with people, you start asking questions, you start making statements like you have made tonight, Chris, uh, people will run away like, you know, whatever. I mean, the fact is the reason they run away is because they don't want to deal with their reality. They can't deal with the reality. They can't even understand the reality. I mean, it, the amount of effort, I really do believe that this is the example that truly is spiritual. When a man slowly wakes up to his own reality and accepts it, accepts his reality, recognizes his reality, recognizes the lies and deceptions. And you look at the, 
God, you look at Jesus Christ, and you know earlier the, the guests that we're talking to had talked about the church. Well, it's not even it's the congregation. The congregation uh, was never about brick and mortar, and it has nothing to do with the high priest, and there's nothing to do going to church on a Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday, or whatever. It's about having a personal relationship with your uh, your, your God, your, your, the true God that created you, that created that tree, that created whatever you saw today that no other man, nobody can mimic, can actually create, but only can you know, tamper with. So, hey, man, I think it's really liberating. I think it's wonderful to actually know that uh, we just, we are the center of the universe. It's all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this play that we're in, and it really is, we go back to Paris, to Paris and then holding, you know, we're all actors. We really are all actors on stage. And, you know, I was going back to what I said earlier about the fact that everyone is a bunch of bobbleheads and that we're all just liars. It's just some are better at it than professional liars, and you know, but we're all actors. And how hard is it really to find a group of people to, to lie and act? It's extremely. These people say it's really, it's impossible to hide such a secret as the, the fact that the moon landing was fake. Really, you're barely being dishonest and disingenuous because look at your own workplace and now things that happen on a daily basis of lying in your own personal interactions and to yourself. Lying is extremely easy. It's, 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 it's very easy, especially if you've been conditioned since childhood, to actually lie. And, you know, the hard thing is actually to be honest. It really is. Once you really look at it, you know, square it all up and look at it for what it is, it's extremely difficult to be honest about yourself and the world around you. It's much more easier. It's very easy to lie. That's what we do a daily basis and a moment and a moment basis. It's fascinating that the quote unquote experts tell us that we lie a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand times a day. How many times do we actually lie to ourselves and we don't even realize we're lying to ourselves? For instance, government, politics, scientism, the fact that they actually have all the answers and we tell everybody else they do. We tell ourselves that they do. And yet it's a lie. We lie to ourselves all the time. When we exercise solely on beliefs, solely on this is how um, so-and-so said it, this is what I found in the book, without questioning things. It's very easy to operate as a liar because basically that's what we've been trained to do all our lives. So it's cool, man. You got any final words, Chris? Uh, No, I'm... uh... Yeah, I'm pretty much tapped out right now. So, yeah, I appreciate it, man, uh, having me on. And I, I uh, enjoyed. I think that you know, at least I feel that way that we really um, have a lot in common. So it's, I always enjoy listening to you. and Never get a chance to actually have a, a conversation with you. It's, uh, you know, it's. it's uh, I think it's for me personally. Maybe Chris, you have, you know, you got John and other people to have into intelligent conversations with. Well, I really don't. So. <laughs> Although I did find a neighbor, um, an 80-something-year-old man who has a library downstairs who understands a lot of this stuff, so he's been exchanging books. And oh, that's very fascinating inter- you know, conversations. Unfortunately, he has throat cancer, so he can't really talk very long. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, well, that's how life works, isn't it? <laughs> but he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he, he has an a extensive... Uh, library of the, all the conspiracies in this world and how things really work. So it's nice that, that 
Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's fine. It's hard to find people to, uh, you know, converse with, and then I really enjoy, you know, stimulating conversation about, you know, you know, the kind of stuff we talk about. I mean, yeah, it seems like people like that are kind of few and far between. Either they're just totally disinterested in you know, how the world works or anything about it. They just kind of like, well, you know, how do I need to act or how do I need to present myself to ingratiate myself with uh, whoever I perceive to be uh, a, a provider or, uh, or, or in a position of power or something like that. And uh, and one of the big things is to be part of the crowd because that's where, you know, the, the place to be, you know. So it's that means you... Uh, if you ever have any interest in anything other beyond than what's, you know, the the crowd is going to dictate what's interesting, then that's that's too much for, I guess, most people to venture off into. They just don't care to go off in anything that's not going to ingratiate them with their what they perceive to be uh, the norm or what the herd uh, is chewing on and and. Uh, they want to graze in those pastures and never leave, and that's that's unfortunately the majority of people. And as far as like, oh yeah, or is anything ever going to change? It's like, yeah, I, I I believe things will absolutely change one way or the other, whether the you know so-called system utterly collapses or uh, people decide to walk away from it. But yeah, it's not going to happen within fighting within the system, like. Uh, you're going to uncover some magical password or something in the form of invoking, you know, whatever it is, commerce law or whatever. I, I don't know. You know, you see what I mean? That that, that you're not going to you're not going to fight the system within the system. It's just no. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big to, game. It's, yeah, yeah, it's designed to snare you, one way or the other. It's like trying to challenge somebody to. Yeah, I, I could. I could beat you in swimming across the lake, but uh, they insist that your feet and hands be tied. You know, so like, that's <laughs> you're not going to do very good. You know, it's pretty much a very good analogy. And you know, we talk about the crowd, and I have to say honestly, from my own experience, I've never found a more lonelier place than in the crowd. And you know, I'm talking about a guy who's a musician and an artist, and been around, you know, did the thing. Try to fit in and try to be part of some kind of group, and I have to tell you, it's been a miserable affair. So I'm so happy yeah, being a, a warrior in this lonely journey that it is. And once in a while, having a person like you show up. So thank you very much, Chris. Once again, folks, Chris Kendall, uh, you know, Hoaxbusters, uh, hoaxbusterscall.com. You can find him on uh, TalkShoe. I strongly recommend. Uh, Thanks, David, Luminous, Arcana. Thanks for joining. I've seen you in a while. And, uh, and all the other folks who have joined in, the, the, the gentleman who, uh, I can't remember now, what is something, life, whatever. I don't <laughs> For his comments, I appreciate it. Um, and that uh, I hope to you stimulate and get, get you to think of what to put your faith in what to focus on and what to let go. Let go of all those many false idols that really do, which are basically beliefs that really do cripple your mind and distract you and waste your time and cause you to focus on things that you have no control over. So, And 
and take care and, stay, and have peace. Uh, Chris, if you can, just stay with me as I end this, okay? All right. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.